What's happening, people? Thank you very much for downloading and pressing play on Season 2, Episode 9 of the Over the Hill Podcast. On the show today, I sit down with my special guest, the one and only Selector Primetime, told some wicked stories about his time in Pirate Radio, and we had a little bit of boxing banter towards the end as well. Don't forget to follow, share, and subscribe on all platforms, and get in touch with the show at the email address, theoverthehillpodcast at gmail.com. But in the meantime, please turn up and enjoy Season 2, Episode number 9 of the Over the Hill Podcast with my special guest, Selector Primetime. You are now listening to the Over the Hill podcast. Yeah, man, we'll get we'll get into it. <laughs> um, yeah, season two, fucking hell, what is this? Episode nine of the Over the Hill podcast. And I've got an I've got an old long-time friend on the podcast, someone who I haven't seen in far too long. Seems to be the case a lot with some of these episodes. Um, someone who was around in my very, very early radio days, so someone who's known me pretty much from the start. Um, legend in a game, been on various pirate radio stations across South London and beyond. Uh, the one and only selector primetime is with me on the show. Bruv, this is long overdue. How are you keeping? Hey, you know what, man? First and foremost, mate, I've got to send big love for getting me on the pod, man. Much, much appreciated, man. I've uh, been looking forward to doing this ever since we spoke about it last week, man. So, yeah, big up for that. First and foremost, man. Um, nah, I'm good, you know. I'm like, uh, obviously, I don't even live in uh, South Nome, man. I've, like, emigrated out into the country and that. So, like, uh, you know, I'm out here literally just going to work, coming home living a quiet life my beautiful missus and just chilling the fuck out doing a bit of me man that's about it really sweet brothers it's the way forward I think for a lot of people um, even people that, other people I spoke to on the podcast like Steve Williams and that he's, he's bounced he's well out of London like so many people have done it and I think um, it's, it's something that a lot of us do but I think there's always that element of wherever you go the culture and the history and everything else is always still going to be even if, if not just a memory, then still, then still part of who you are and your, your own being, you know? Oh, 100%. I, do you know what? Actually, it's, it's funny you even say that because to be honest, like I wouldn't even be here in this area with my missus if it weren't even a pirate radio. Right? So <laughs> honestly, that's, that's the truth. So like um, this sort of um, fate, kind of like played a little part in that it's mad big up uh big up with the old yeah r.i.p cut swifty um all of that what was that radio station down there called again uh impact impact, impact man. yeah five eight nine six yeah uh Fun times, man. Fun times. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. But um, 100%. yeah, we first met each other on a, on a radio station called World FM. But obviously you went you went to school with like a lot of my olders from the ends, Jay, Tom, yeah. everyone else. Yeah. Um, so obviously we knew each other through them and obviously through radio as well. But I know you were around, you know, from high school days, really collecting vinyl records with your lunch money. So how did it all get started for you? And, and where was the early love of Pirate Radio? And how did you get involved in it? Wow. All right. Well, do you know what, man? I'm going to take it right back for like my earliest memory of pirate radio, like my earliest memory of it. I was really young, probably like about, must've been about seven, eight years old. Like, so probably would have been going back to like 1990, uh, would have been like really young. So originally like I used to live in Battersea, like around sort of Queenstown Road, Wandsworth Road area. 
And uh, so them times I was living in that area. And like, obviously, uh, 1990, uh, you had like Choice FM first, first come on the dial as illegal and that. So that was like my sort of, I wouldn't say entrance into radio as such, because that would be bullshit. But it was kind of the part of me sort of taking, paying attention to radio, basically. Um, it was on a lot in the house. It was on a lot in the car and stuff. So like these times in my dad had like a Mark One Golf, like CL, yeah. And uh, on the presets now, like you had like, uh, I think you had like five or six presets on the radio. So obviously one of them, no, six presets, right? So one of them was Choice, the other one was Kiss, and then the four other ones were Pirates. And they were like, my dad was like into into reggae, like New Jack swing around at times, like so. The pirates that he had on the presets were reggae ones, innit? So they was like Vibes FM, Station FM, uh, Power Jam, and Lightning. Uh, and I think like three out of them four stations are like still on, still on the air now. It's mad. But um, so obviously like me being a kid and that, I'm fucking around with the presets in the car. Like, like, Dad, what's going on? Like, these stations aren't on during the daytime. Like, these stations aren't on. Like, they were on, like, last night or yesterday. They're not on now. But, like, obviously, Choice and Kiss were on that. So, like, I just noticed the difference. And then my dad was like, oh, no, they're, uh, they're pirate stations. And I was like, pirate stations? Like, what's that? And then, obviously, like, gave us a brief explanation of it. Um, and, yeah, that was kind of, like, my first memory of pirate radio is them, like, old reggae pirates from from back then like yeah yeah so that would have been my first sort of um introduction to pirate radio back then and then um when it comes to like dance music now so probably like when I was a little bit older probably like nine years old now I had like an older cousin um and like obviously I had a cousin my age but his older brother or two older brothers sorry they were like going out to raves and stuff around them time, sort of like 90, it would have been like 92, 93. So like these times here now, we'd go into his room because the games console was in there back in the day, like a Sega Mega Drive. Like, so when he was out, me and like my other little cousin would go in there, rinse out the Sega Mega Drive, Double Dragon, Sonic the Hedgehog, fucking uh, Charles Barkley, Shut Up and Jam, NBA Jam, all them games there, right? I know you know, right? <laughs> So I go in his room now and like the whole wall was like caked with rave flyers and that. Like, and uh, I remember specifically he had like a shelving unit in his, uh, on his wall, like all these cassette tapes and stuff. Like, and I had a little look, like, cause I'd obviously I could see like certain labels and stuff saying blah, 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 FM. So like for me being familiar with radio or sort of familiar with radio around them times, like, oh, what's my cousin listening to? Like, cause I'd hear like the hardcore and like, the early jungle bumping out of the room sometimes like when he was in so still these tapes like cool fm 945 like don fm 1057 like what the fuck is this like trance fm 1054 like what the fuck's all this shit i don't know about these radio stations now. so like a little made a little mental note of it got back home like to, to my yard like uh, at these times i had like a little jvc ghetto blaster in my room so like uh done a little auto-tune jobby remembered some of the some of the dolls on them on the tapes I see now I hear all this fucking like early hardcore like and, uh, sort of hardcore jungle and that it's just like what is this like and this is what my cousin's into like I hear this shit coming out of his room loud and uh yeah I was just I was feeling it from that age there so when it comes to dance music 
yeah, my first love would have been like sort of like 92, 93 hardcore. And then obviously that progressed into jungle later on. And uh, yeah, my love of dance music from that point. Yeah, that was a uh, set in stone, man. Yeah, of course. It then becomes, as we say, like part of who you are. It becomes part of your fabric. And I think once you've, I don't know anyone, like but there's people like me and you could probably count yourself in this category where it's like the idea of, of going raving nowadays is like, oh, do you know what? That's just, that's just long. It's for the kids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's still in that part of you, you never leave the culture. And I think once it's in you, it's in you. And, and I don't know anybody who's ever turned around and said to me, oh yeah, no, no, I was into like, I used to play a bit of like Garage and Jungle. I used to be on Pirate and that, but nowadays all I listen to is like fucking Ed Sheeran. Like, like I don't know anyone. <laughs> like people might listen to that, but at the end of the day, they're still going to go back to listening to that old Garage sets, the old Jungle sets, the old house sets. Like every once you've got that little bit of like UK dance music culture in you, it is part of who you are. Like there's no escaping it, but obviously, and it tra- it transitions, it mutates and it changes into other things. And obviously for people like you and me, it transitioned into DJ. And so, you know, how did you get started actually mixing? Cause uh, do you know what? Actually Jay Longback said something to me once upon a time about you. He said, Steph is the best DJ I've ever heard. Who's never owned a pair of Technics. <laughs> That's what he always used to say about you. He used to be like, bruv, when that guy mixes, it's next level. And when you consider that he doesn't have technics, it's a madness. So how did you get, get into the game and, and where did the where did the um the early vinyls and stuff come from? And where were you where were you playing to get so good, man? Boy, wow, I, I'm gonna really go deep here. First of all, big up Jay Longback. Yeah, because like I ain't seen that dude like in a long time still. So big love to Jay Longback, big up Cody, uh, big up Spenner. Black as sea, pure cut pee, all them man there. Um, yeah, do you know what? Like, first, first went to DJing. Um, like I was saying, like, I, I got into like sort of hardcore jungle music, like, you know, 93, like 93 times. And obviously, like, growing up, went from like primary school to like high school, and then um, ended up going to Rutledge in like in Wimbledon. So, this must have been sort of like year eight about 96, 97. So, like, we all remember, like, you know, tapes, Walkmans, all that shit. Like, there was, like, a mad syndicate, if you can call it out, of just, like, people just banging to the music, like, everyone. Like, certain people were into DJing, certain people just loved the music and that. So, like, you know, we would, like, be swapping tapes around the lessons and you know, listening to each, what what someone else is listening to or, you know, trying to show, show other people, like, you know, I've got this set here, like, you need to check this out. These tunes are fire on this fucking set here. That kind of thing, like. So, um, 96, 97, like, Jungle kind of started progressing into drum and bass and that. Um, and then around them times as well, like, Garage Scene, like, really started popping off. Um, and I remember this one guy, um, I, I went to school with like and uh, he had this tape it was like of Upfront FM and uh, there was a Rip Groove playing on it and obviously like Rip Groove the tune hadn't even come out yet it must have been like some sort of like white label early release thing around these times like and I remember hearing this tune on this tape just like what the fuck is this like because obviously like you know I had that sort of dark side bass line from like sort of jungle and then obviously you had like the sort of nice sort of bouncy fast place fast paced garage beat on it and it was just like at the time it was just like a fusion of everything that i was into sort of thing 
um i had that sort of early experiences of the sort of house and garage before that anyway listening to radio and stuff like because just flicking through the dial and stuff like i would, I would come across like girls fm like people like huckleberry finn playing on there and stuff so like but i wasn't bang into it at them times there like i was more more into jungle but I remember Rip Groove playing just like, do you know what, like, I really like this music. And then um, got home again, like, and put the radio on. I think I listened to Flex a lot around them times, like, in the 1036 days. And, like, obviously around them times, like, pirate stations were just, like, on sort of, like, more on the weekends rather than in the week and stuff. But, like, a lot of the times on Flex in those days, like, you'd hear House and Garage, like, in the daytime. And uh, yeah, I was just like, you know, what? I'm really feeling this, man. Like, I'd love to, love to get involved in playing this shit somehow. And uh, guy in my area, Jordan, like, got to send a shout out to Jordan, be like Dave, man, like original. Like Dave was like Jordan's older brother, so he was like banging to the rave scene, like going slamming vinyl raves, you know, all covered in flyers and shit, slamming vinyl jackets, slamming vinyl record bag, tape packs, everything, like. And his brother Jordan was like more into sort of house music, um, but he liked a bit of garage as well. So like uh, he got a pair of decks, like some Gemini. Can't remember what they were now. Some uh, kind of like Gemini PT one thousands or something like that. Like you know, direct drive, yeah, not no belt drive nonsense. I'll get back to that in a minute though. But uh, yeah, so he got a pair of decks now. So yeah, around them times, so I said I must be like thirteen about 1997 so yeah started buying vinyl around those times there um can't even remember the first bit of vinyl i bought now to be honest man but i can tell you where it was from though it's from a kingston hmv i know that much so yeah kingston hmv that was like first of all the place to go to and then obviously that progressed into other record shops later on down the line but yeah started buying vinyl um yeah, 13 years old, 97, man, and uh, didn't look back. And uh, what Jay Longback was saying about the Technics, he's damn right, I've never owned a pair of Technics in my life. <laughs> like, when it comes to sort of like learning how to mix and stuff, it was literally going around to my mate Jordan's house um, after school, weekends, like, and just sort of learning the ropes on those at first which you know usually you start to mix on belt drives first and then you progress to direct drives so like i kind of did it the wrong way around sort of thing so like trying to learn on the direct drive was like a bit of a baptism of fire and stuff but uh kind of learned the basics like sort of around 97 98 times and then through going to school and stuff like we got to sort of like 98 and like everybody was trying to be a dj like literally everybody like it was crazy like in my just in my year alone like um it's like every other person was a fucking dj well all the um, names you all the names you mentioned here of our friends in it like we're all in it that's it that's it, that's it right so literally um um vanny's time sort of hooked up with jigger because jigger jiggles in my ear you know jigger in it yeah, jigger yeah. man enough love to jigger man every time man um yeah so we hooked up like uh through like walking home walking home from school and stuff and like you know we then found out like you know he was into dj and he had decks and stuff he had like sound labs the bell drive sound labs back in them days like the uh 
what are they? I can't even, I think those, you know what, don't even quote me on what they were. But they were the sound labs, yeah, the belt drive ones, the really basic ones with like the fucking plate, like a dinner plate on on, on the fucking, uh, for the for the platter. It was, it was mad. But he had those things. So like, it was literally like, go around his house after school, do a tape. And that went on literally for years and years and years and years. Like in, in the ends, like growing up in sort of like Rains Park, Lower Morden, like Jigger's house was like a proper focal point for like every, a big, big group of us, like every day around there, playing music, like DJing, just 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 sort of uh how can I explain it? Just like um just just practicing your skills basically. And then obviously like it was mad because like every time Jigger got a new set of decks, it would like you you go up a level. So from there it went to like Campbell drives. And then from Campbell drives it went to I then got a pair of new marks direct direct drives, like I think they're called blue dogs. They were like, I don't know if you remember them, but they were like literally blue. The decks were blue, like like a sort of like a dark blue colour. Um, so I got a pair of those. And then after that, obviously, Jigger got a pair of Technics. So like, you know, Technics being like the the ultimate, as it were. We all knew back then those were like the industry standards. Um, yeah, started cutting that cloth on that. And uh, as Jay Longback said, man, that's how I became, you know, a decent DJ with no Technics, bro. So how did the um, how did the progression go into getting on radio? Because you've been on various stations over the years. What was the first station you was on, and and do you remember your first your first shows, early shows in the early days? Oh bloody do, yeah. Um, so yeah, man. So like, wow. So uh, very very first station I won on was Flight One Hundred One Five, um, about ninety eight, ninety nine around them times. So I was like still at school. I was fifteen. And it was one of them ones like I went on with um I went on with another guy, another guy I went to school with who was in my year, Richie P. Big up Richie P. And uh it was his sister who like knew someone who knew someone who knew someone, one of them ones. Like, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I know someone who knows someone who knows someone who uh, plays a set on flight. Like, do you two want to go on there? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, hungry, fucking eager 15-year-olds, like, you know, mad about pirate radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's do it, man. Let's do it. Fucking a uh, Sunday morning, six to eight. Yeah, <laughs> straight up, right? So like, I remember it. Like, it was like sort of middle of summer, and uh, I got up at like four thirty in the fucking morning, like getting records together and shit. Like, and uh, got picked up from my mum and dad's house. Uh, drove down to the studio. Around these times, their studio was in like Dodder and Estate and Batsy. Um, so yeah, went in there. Went to this like. Dutty flat, uh, played the played the set like that was the first. That was the first set. It was just a moody guy in there. Like I think he was just just literally just sitting in there. So we, we we get in the studio right, and literally we go in the studio in the room. We had like decks, obviously the mixer. You had like a load of vinyl underneath, and the only other thing I remember being in the room was like a TV and a chair, like, and the guy <laughs> the guy running the flat. Literally just sat on this on this on this chair and on, on, on he was either watching TV or like playing the games console or something while we were doing a set. Two like 15 year old kids, like just six in the fucking morning on a Sunday. Like but, um that was my first set on on Pirate Radio. So yeah, sort of 98, 99 times. And then after that, didn't do that set for very long for obvious reasons. 
Uh, but was my sort of foot through the door, as it were. And then after that, didn't do any more radio, probably till about 2001. And uh, so this come about now um, through through Loved One. Like, I know you know Loved One, innit? Yeah, yeah. I'll try Loved One. Right, so it was him. It was his dad, actually. Um, his dad worked with, like, three dudes who were MCs. And they played on um, they played on Supreme, yeah, like you know what, what is S dance today, right? Yep. And uh, so like the way I had it explained to me was like there's, there's three MCs, but they didn't have no DJs. So I was thinking to myself, how the fuck are you not playing a set on the radio with no fucking DJ? Like anyway, and uh, loved one's dad was like, look, do you two want to jump on it? Like I was telling him about you two, like so um, do you do you guys want to want to go on with them? So he was just like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it, man. So uh, hooked up with these dudes now. I think we met them somewhere near the studio um, around them times. Like I don't even want to say like where the studio was, just in case like they're still there. I'll come. I'll, come, I'll get to a studio. I, I know. I, I I could tell you where they are now if you want, and I, or where they were when I was on there a couple of years back. But um, I'll, I'll I'll beep it out. But they're literally they're just around the corner from Pop in Brixton, or that's where they were. Um, in a little lockup in the back of this estate, I think they might have moved uh, since then. But okay, okay, that, you know, that's all right because where where I, I had to go to a completely different place, like where I had to go to was uh, it was just off Brixton Hill, it was in fucking Compass's house, like it was literally in his yard. Like, uh, so we went up there in 2001. I'll touch upon this a little later as well, right? Because I played on Supreme or S Dance, or whatever, I played on there a few times over the years, and um. Obviously, the first time was in 2001, and I didn't go back on there probably till about 2000 and might have been 2006. Yeah, because I remember I remember we were knocking about together at them times, and I remember you and Joe going up there to do shows around yeah. that time. But for anyone who don't know, Supreme actually like it's mad that it's you know it's, it's called S Dance now. It's still a lot of the same people involved in it, but for people who don't know. Obviously, so solid are heavily associated with delight, but they're also a massive part of Supreme. Oxide yeah. and Neutrino came from Supreme. Like nine six one was a big. I mean, it's still all credit to the guys, Compass and everyone else, like for keeping it on. And the signal's always good. Like the sound mm. quality is always very good. Um, I had a really good time when I used to be on there about five or six years ago. But yeah, man, like for, for back in the day, that was a massive station, bruv. Oh, it was huge, man. It was huge. You're absolutely right. Big, big love to Compass every time. Proper, proper South London OG. Got got a lot of love for Compass, man. Big up Compass, big up Patrick G, definitely. Um, yeah, like obviously around them times, as you said, like Supreme was like quite got quite uh, a bit of notoriety because of various names that come through it. And obviously, um from there you had like Delight FM um kind of branch off and and start. And do its own thing as well and obviously that all come from supreme and that so yeah you're absolutely right so um yeah that that was it man so that was like my sort of second second stint of pirate radio sort of 2001 i must have been like 17 around them times there um and then from that point um pirate radio was like quite a sort of consistent part of my life actually like playing on on various stations like various stations enough um supreme there was a uh, there was resist fm 1069 which is how i first met like outlaw 
Carlos and all them guys there. Um, played on, do you remember Rampage 981? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, played on Rampage 981. Whereabouts uh, was that? Oh, bro, this is, this, that was one of the maddest locations I've been to for radio, right? So I remember, like, it was, so around these times here, I was, I was rolling with, um, with, with Jay and, and Cody and, like, uh, Black of Sea, Ever Devastated. Like, and it was me, uh, Jigger Man, MC Mystery as well. And uh, I remember, like, uh, it come about, like, yeah, yeah, we, we, you guys, we're gonna, we're gonna play a set on Rampage, like, because uh, we knew about Rampage and stuff. Because um, I think Cody was on there playing with, I think, Central and Pacer, like those DJs there. So we all knew about Rampage FM. Uh, we didn't know quite know where it was. We knew it was sort of somewhere in Surrey, but obviously, like, didn't know the location. So like. I remember, I swear back in these days, Jay might have to correct me if I'm wrong, or you know, he might have to let you know, but I swear around these times he was driving a Fiesta. So we're all crammed into this Fiesta, going down the fucking A3. And uh, we turned off at the M25 junction, I think it was like an ox shot, or near ox shot, like deep, deep dark Surrey. Like, and uh, I remember pulling off the... Uh, a3 on the M25 junction, then just zigzagging down a few country roads and stuff. Like literally, the only thing on these fucking roads were trees. Like I swear, like no no buildings, nothing. It was just trees, no civilization. Like it was just you wouldn't want to be lost around these areas, man. Seriously, no phone signal, nothing. And uh, pulled up into some layby, and uh, there was like a silver Ford Escort there, and one of the guys that run Rampage was in it. Like um, this guy called Big Steve or something, proper safe guy though. But big up Big Steve every time. Man was man was big still, and uh, I so jumped into his car now, right? And then zigzagging down more country lanes, and then we put up into this like sort of dirt road. Just like what the fuck, what is going on here, man? Some some pagan location. So like go down this dirt road now, and then uh, there was a goat standing there like literally a goat with a belt around his neck like just screw facing you as you drove past it it's just like what the fuck is this this is madness and then we pulled into some like sort of farmland and there was like a barn with like bales of hay in it like some broke down tractor and then there were two porter cabins like on top of each other and uh that's where the studio was mate it was in there madness like two broke down porter cabins like they come out of like you know serial baghdad or something like proper broke down porter cabin going to porter cabin decks and whatnot in there that was it brother yeah crazy, crazy. Jeez. see I've, I've been to a few stations that are like you, you go there and you just feature yourself this is ghetto like even when even when it was like s dance um, the, little, the little part of this estate where it was located, like going there at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night because it's Tuesday night, 10 till midnight. And it's yeah. like, even that, it like, in, in I'm from ends in it. I know the area. Like, it's not, I was like born and raised in Southfields, Wandsworth. Like, I lived, I lived in Brixton for a time. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've always been around Battersea. Like, the area don't, don't bother me. Sorry, Jay. Sorry, mate. Your, your sound cut out there as you were talking, man. <laughs> no, I was saying, like, um, obviously like I've been around the ends for a long time. Like it doesn't bother me to be, yeah. 
like you know in quotes unquote what some people might call the ghetto but yeah, if yeah. you if you take me to the middle of surrey where there's goats and bare space <laughs> bare space for people to leave you in the woods nah <laughs> it's that's, not it. that's it that's it mate honestly it was it was madness it's got probably t- i've done a lot of radio since then and that's still probably one of the maddest locations that i, I remember it was, it was crazy crazy man so um, um what, what happened? On, what happened in the game after that? Because I know, how, was you on resist for long? Yeah, uh, yeah, I was on resist, uh, resist for a bit still. Because I know um, it didn't. The station itself, I know, didn't last for an eternity, obviously. But um, I know, obviously, Cody and everyone else was on there around the same sort of time. Um, mm. You know, how how long was your time on there, and when did you then? Because obviously, that would have been in between before you joined World FM as well. Yeah, so. Um, was on resist. I was actually on resist before Rampage, man. So like, I was on resist. This must have been around two thousand and two. Yeah, around two thousand and two times. I was actually on with Cody. Actually, um, we all playing a cell there together. Me, Cody, uh, Blacker, Jigger, and Mystery. Like, we, I think we used to do like Wednesday night eight to ten on there. Um, yeah, good times, man. Um, do you know what? Like, I'll tell you something now, but. You might want to just cut this bit out still, right? So, did you hear about how Resist got uh, got like locked off? Do you know about that story? I don't know it's how it... Stuff. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll beep out a couple of names and stuff. We can tell the story. Um, I, I know... Yeah, if, if we say names, then I'll just put beeps on it because this ain't going to come out till next week and I can sit and edit it. I've got time. So uh, we could tell the story. Um, but obviously, like the only reason I say about names, it's not because anyone's still got beef, but it's more just like you, you never know when cases might be pending. Do you know what that's I mean? It. That's it. But yeah, that's no, it, I mean, I was I was going to ask actually about the story because I know you were you were present when um, a beef did kick off between, how do we put mm. it, between between Resist and another local station, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll keep it as that. We'll keep it as that. So, yeah. So basically, um, play the set now, and for context, like this is important here. So, um, we had like a little, I wouldn't say rivalry as such. Kind of not really the right word, but we're sort of aware of each other. Like, yeah. uh, so the crew when we was on resist, we were obviously we were known as best of the best. Yeah. And I, around these times, like I was, my DJ name weren't even selected prime time. It was Steph Smalls, yeah. And um, so, like, um, one of the guys that played after us, he was part of a crew that used to play on the other rival station. Right. Yeah. So obviously now your location's compromised, isn't it? People are going to talk, obviously. Yeah. So we did the set, and then we came out. The thing is, like, where did, uh, uh, for more context, like, where the studio was uh, resist now, it was in Collier's Woods, yeah. Like, literally, you've got a bus garage, and then you've got like a dead end road that runs along the River Wandle, like a yep. little side road on the left. Yeah. The studio was at the end of that road, like in an office building, like on the first floor. And it was one of them ones, like, it was one way in, one way out. You go down little, like, uh, alleyway or little, like, entrance into a little yard and stuff. And then you got a door and then you open the door and then you got like a flight of stairs, like it takes you upstairs to the studio. There was nothing else on the ground floor. So like literally your only way in and out was up and down these fucking flight of stairs. Yeah. 
So we've done our set, enjoyed ourselves and shit. Um, one of the guys that ran Resist, uh, Billy B, shout out to Billy B every time. So he's like taking us out, out of the studio and uh, we open the door now. Fucking uh, standing there. Like, what the fuck's going on? Like, he's got a fucking gun in his hand. It's just like, what the fuck's going on? And like, we obviously, like, we see other heads behind him as well now. And literally, like, as soon as we've opened the door, standing there with this fucking gun pointing at Billy B. Like, and he's like, Billy B's just run up the stairs now. Like, he's gone. Like, he's letting off shots, which we then found out later were blanks, luckily. But anyway, like, uh, so there was just absolute madness, like, on this fucking sort of ground floor bit. Everyone trying to squeeze out this one door. There must have been, like, maybe seven of us trying to come out this fucking door. And in them well, scenarios, it feels like there's 50 of you. Because <laughs> you're like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It just, you know, it feels like a whole lot more. And obviously you had everyone else from the other station outside now sort of waiting. So, like, that was just mad melee. Like, I lost a little bag of records and that in the process and shit. Like, you know, these guys were, like, armed with fucking, like, you know, machetes and fucking, like, police coshes and shit like that. Like, you know... Got out a few little bumps and scrapes and shit, but you know we got out. Uh, there was a few guys upstairs though who were in the studio at the time. Uh, I don't think it ended too well for those guys, but uh, yeah, that's basically what fucking happened there. Um, and obviously, we then know how that whole situation played out and what happened later on, which I'm not even going to go into. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm hoping to get the other side of the people to tell that story, to be honest, but we've not been able to to sort that out. But hopefully maybe one day, if he ever wants to come and talk about it, then um, door's always open because i still got a lot of time for him. But um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. A lot of people don't realise that between stations, it's, it's funny because um, Outlaw kind of mentioned it when he done the Newsnight thing and he sort of says, you know, sometimes you might have little rivalries between two stations locally. And it's true, but it very rarely gets nasty and sometimes it does and it's like that's the that's the dark side of not necessarily radio and the culture but that's just the dark side of a load of young guys on the ends with nothing better to do than do music and when someone feels that something's not going their way or you know egos get in the way on, on all sides do you know what I mean and it's just like at some point when you're a bunch of, as I say, young testosterone fueled dudes in your early twenties, man, shit can go awry, bruv. And just, that's, that's one of them unfortunate incidences. Yeah, that's it. I've, you know, I, I remember at the time it was like quite a major thing. I remember like it was, it was on the front of like the fucking local Guardian newspaper. Yeah. Like, I remember like, you know, pirate radio violence and, it was it was just a madness. That was that was a big headline for a lot of things back then as well. You got to remember, like away from from that local beef, obviously, but still in South. Like it was at a time when any time so solid turned up anywhere, the the venues would get blacklisted and whatnot, or they would be blacklisted from certain venues because they tried to associate everything they did with any kind of violence and gun culture and stuff in South. Like it just all got pinned on pirate radio, garage music. And that's why places like Croydon that had been instrumental in the early days of the scene were banned from having garage events anymore. Like the council would never allow it for 10, for 10 years. Like it was crazy. Yeah. 
um, and 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 stories like that. I remember it being a kid, and obviously I knew through people's older brothers and that that were there and, and blah blah. I knew the story, what had happened, but because it was local, but. Um, but yeah, like I remember seeing it in the paper and just thinking, like even like 15, 16 years old, being like, "Rah, they've really, they've really gone to town on this." Do you know what I mean? Like, because that was my early, my early introduction into the culture. I was still getting into it, and it was just like, Jesus, like they like this. Even back then, I knew what a media spin was. Do you know what I mean? It's like, nah, this, yeah. this ain't the one. So, well, yeah, do course, you know what? Like, it's 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 mad, you know, because like even that the sort of media having like a little stupid take on sort of like dance music and the subculture and that um you know that was happening from like jungle as well like you know them times there i remember jungle being associated with like violence and shit you know all sorts of madness going on at like uh stratford and like the events that used to happen in that sort of area and stuff back in like the sort of mid 90s and shit like uh yeah the media's you know, if it's um, if it's not fluffy and you know family friendly and stuff, then the media is going to have some sort something negative to say about it. You know, yeah. because you know, I guess they can't really relate to the subculture and what is involved in that. So you know, they're just going to just see it as a negative straight away. You know, in most cases, obviously not in all cases, but most cases. And yeah, as you said, like the same sort of similar thing did happen with garage like you know in uh, the early 2000s with like certain elements and stuff so you know like uh i guess that sort of thing isn't anything new and such but you know it can definitely uh put a damper on things and kind of like hamper hamper a scene progressing to what it could potentially be because you know there's negative spins on it which then at the mainstream sort of uh sort of you know opinion and such as it were and uh if you're kind of ignorant to like what really goes on and ignorant to the facts, then, you know, you're going to have your own take on it because the newspaper said it was true. Right. Oh mate. Imagine if, uh, imagine if them two stations was around doing that nowadays, where it'd be in a daily mail, they'd be loving that shit. Daily mail oh, comment really? section would be a madness. <laughs> oh my God. For real. You know, it'd be, there'd be phone-ins on LBC about it and all sorts, man. Seriously. It'd be, it'd be crazy. It's, it's, do you know what's really funny actually there's a couple of things about LBC that make me laugh one of them's obviously the Ice Cold connection the reason that Ice Cold <laughs> had such grief on 97.1 was because LBC listeners are fuming but also if you ever go back and, and watch the actual intro to um to that bit on Newsnight that Dan and them did it's actually James O'Brien from LBC that introduces the piece it's fucking hilarious yeah 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 for real for real, for real. Like, ironic that is seriously yeah. It's funny. Crazy. It is funny. But yeah, man, um, crazy part radio stories from back in the day. Um, obviously, that's one of, I'm sure, many we get into. But um, but yeah, obviously, we met around whew, probably 2005 on World FM. So was there much in between, obviously, after Resist and Rampage? Were you doing much on other stations before you came to World? Um, do you know what? Um, yeah, before I came to World, I think I did another stint on, on, Supreme, on Supreme for a bit. I think my memory serves me. Actually, no, did I? Oh, no, I tell a lie. No, I wasn't Supreme. It was Rampage. And then um, one of the guys, Rampage didn't last too long. Um, but I think we kept in contact with a couple of the people that ran it through through uh, through Cody, the Kodos site. And I um, got a phone call, random phone call again. So this must have been like 2004. and. Uh, there was like um, another station which kind of like 
started from the ashes of Rampage. Now, this was a very short-lived station, um, sort of summer 2004, um, called Corrupt FM, yeah? Like, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, that, okay? So this was on, like, 107.3. I think they had their like rig up on Cambridge Estate. And um, it's funny actually, because where the corrupt studio was, it was literally just, a, I think it was like the next block along from where the world studio was. <laughs> like, yeah, it was, it was, it was like proper, like sort of local. And it was, it and was some. Funnily enough, them Cambridge blocks got used a time or two towards the end of World FM as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this. I know, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Those Cambridge blocks over time have been, have been rinsed still. Um, they're shit though they're, they're shit to use they're absolutely shit they're, they're alright like if, if you're happy for your station to cover like Surrey and like you know they're okay but if you want your station to get into London absolutely no chance because Roehampton Hill just blocks everything out like, and, the, so, and the buildings themselves are like it's like 14 floors up I've been up them like they're, they're not that big do you know what I mean yeah that's true they're not exactly the biggest blocks do you like nah, and they're literally right. like that part of Kingston like you've got the big hill in Kingston you've got the big like Richmond slash Roehampton hill but then like Cambridge is literally it's in the dip like it's actually yeah. in like you couldn't put the blocks in a worse place well obviously they're never going to design an estate with pirate radio in mind are they yeah. but like you, like if yeah but if you were then that's the worst possible place you could have put them blocks in the entire borough do you know what I mean yeah, just... yeah for real they, were, they weren't they weren't great but um yeah, so like corrupt was was they were using those blocks and like the studio was uh I don't even know whose flat it was man, just in someone's flat, someone's yard. It was like and the studio was like it was like in a kid's bedroom, like it was in like someone's little brother's room. Like I remember like the bedding in there was like transformers or something, like transformer bedding on this like kid's bed, and the decks were like on top of the chest of drawers in there. Like it was it was ridiculous. Opt- Optimus Grime live on air, bro. Gee. Did it? Yeah, for real, for real. It was, <laughs> it was just, it was, it was madness. Like I only played on air a couple of times because, as I said, the station like it literally lasted like a summer, and that was it. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, I think the, the it was one of the guys that played on there. Obviously, went on to. Do people just do nothing and that? Yeah, he did. Then, it's me and me and Eamon had him had them up on um on Ice Cold like ten years ago when it was still just mm. a YouTube series, just before the BBC yeah. deal. And um, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that and I was I was talking to um I, I can't remember which one of them it was. It might have even been two of them, but um one of the main guys and he was saying like he was like yeah no he's um. He's like, yeah, I've done radio and that obviously like he's like the corrupt thing came from because I, I was talking to him about like, oh, you know, there was a station in Kingston. He's like, yeah, bro, he's like, I was on it. Like it was part of like, I was part of that. Like I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he'd um I think he'd been on a couple of other local stations. I think he said he knew certain other man as well. We'll leave it that way. But yeah, he's um yeah, he's he's been around. That's what I said to a few people. Like I've mean, me and Henny have had this convo, like a lot of people hate him, and I know killer's obviously furious about it all and everything else and reckons, reckons he's gonna take legal action and whatnot like yeah. and, and he, he hates me and an outlaw for something that we're supposed to have said but anyway um I hear that, I hear that. um <laughs> but i know like um yeah uh i've lost my train of thought but yeah that's what i was saying to henny i was saying to him like you know 
they haven't really bitten the culture because a lot of people were seeing like, you know, specifically the main dons are just like, oh, a couple of white dons coming along, taking the piss out. They like, nah, it's like, nice. It's not that because they've been around it from day. Like if yeah. you actually talk to them, like they've been around, do you know what I mean? That's so, it. That's it. A, a lot of people don't, don't realize that either. Like, yeah. you know, they think it's just a parody of our block dreams, but now nah, these guys have actually been around it as well. So, you know, there is a bit of context behind it all. It's not just, complete yeah. piss take you know what I mean so they wouldn't have been able to have kept the material going with so many of the little nuances and inside jokes that we would all have like yeah they wouldn't have been able to keep that going if they didn't have knowledge of the intricacies of the game man it just wouldn't have happened that's it. yeah that's it precisely you, you got you got to know a certain amount of stuff to, to 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 entertain that sort of thing so yeah absolutely man but um yeah that that was that was probably like from what I remember I think that was the only station I was on before joining World. Um, yeah, and then obviously, like, joined World sort of 2005 times. Um, and, yeah, that's when me and you, like, met on yeah. through that, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, World FM was um, basically the same people that ran Flight FM. Uh, Flight FM had a lot of heat on it at a time for various different reasons. Um, and, yeah, it kind of just like I think there was a point where every time they came back on, it was like lasting. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Grand opening, grand closing, brother. It was on and off. Like the, the, the authorities was on them proper um, just because of certain negative things that had been, you know, released in the media and whatnot, and obviously cracking down on things at the time. And I think just in general, I know they've, they've obviously always kind of mainly bounced between Sutton and Wandsworth. And I know both boroughs have just been hot on radio for a very long time. Um, So yeah, just a nightmare trying to stay on and um, obviously decided to go the internet route. And yeah, I've said it before, all credit to, to MTech and that for trying to, you know, branch out and do something different. It was just uh, listening to stuff on the internet was still in its infancy then. No, you didn't have like mobiles and stuff that had like 3G or like, do you know what I mean? Back then, it just you just didn't have it. You didn't have apps and stuff like everyone was rolling around with Nokia still. Like, do you know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe certain man might have had an early BlackBerry possibly or, do you know what I mean? I think people, people were still thinking like flip like Motorola flip flowing sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, but yeah, man, it was, it was good times on there. We used to have, we used to have a good crack going up there and just, you know, like all of us, like maybe sometimes it might be like a hot day. We'd all get together, have a few beers, go there. Like it was, it was a good crack, man. It was good times. Yeah. Do you know what, man? It was a, it was a laugh going up there actually. Yeah. Definitely. Good, definitely good times, fun times, man. You obviously like used to do the show with Jigger, uh, Monday night mass. And um, you literally just used to turn up just just get messy in their hot box of fucking gaff and just play some loud music and stuff man and uh yeah fun fun times man i think around them times there i think um you was rolling with like uh i think that's how i met like pure cut and uh yep. common sense and then man's there yeah yeah uh, yeah man so uh yeah, shout, yeah. shout, shout out john and nick gotta give the comments right. out Definitely, hundred percent. I ain't seen them two for, for for a little while still, man. But big up those two, man. Every time, um, yeah. World FM, man. Yeah, literally just go up there. Like I said, hot pots of joint, get hot as hell in there. Play the music fucking loud, and uh, yeah, just 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 madness. And I think I still got one of the sets like on recorded somewhere, like archived somewhere. I'm sure I have, man. So yeah, funny times. I'm big up THC and Four Play as well. 
Got yeah. to big those guys up, man. I used to play a set before me still, man. Big up those two as well. Used to get quite a few people up there. I bought um I bought Roy C up there. Um he came up there through me. I know he ended up, I think, on Flex after a while as well. Um yeah, that was me who brought him in on Flex still. Yeah. Actually, Roy, Roy I, his brother was in my year at school, so that's yeah, how yeah. I know Roy. Yeah. Yeah, Dean. So yeah, I bought um I used to go around to Roy's and do tapes of him because he knew um he knew Dirty Habit, Kieran, who used to also come up to, to World of Fame yeah, and stuff yeah. as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Live local to each other around Sutton and that. So I used to go around to Roy's, do a tape, brought him up to radio. He then used to bring up GYs, who later became Guy D'Angelo, went on to do quite a lot of things. He was went to school with him as well. Big up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, like Guy. Um, so yeah, man, like everyone's connected. That's what I mean. It was like... It wasn't the greatest station in the world because, you know, it was early internet. And and as I say, you know, we did kind of, we were in the studio one night and 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 certain man came in and they were just like, he's like, come upstairs, come upstairs, look at this. And uh, just turns out it was, it was popping on 101.5 out the window for a little bit there. And um, <laughs> yeah, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was a good crack. It was a good crack. I remember jumping in the car, funnily enough, with uh, with THC and we were driving around Feltham and Hounsard and everything, getting like signal reports coming off the blocks in Kingston. It was a good, good, oh, good yeah. crack. Um but yeah good times um so yeah you said you jumped back onto supreme around that time and i remember i remember you going on there actually because I, I think i had like one or two convos of you about being like hmm yeah maybe maybe I might have to come up once or twice and just and just see what's popping never yeah. ended up doing it but um I, I remember you telling me a story and it, this might jog your memory and you might remember it but i remember you telling me one time you were in there with jigger and you could see the aerial from the window from the studio and I remember you telling me you literally watched the bastards take you off in the middle of a oh, show. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, yeah, so around these times, like me and Jigger used to do a Saturday afternoon show. That's on, right. On Supreme. I think it was like, it was 12 till 2 or 2 till 4. And, yeah, because um, it was either it was either just before or just after mine and Pure Cut show. So I remember I used to listen to it. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, right. So we were in the uh, studio doing our set now. And um, you could the, the block where where Supreme used to come from, like uh, was literally you you could see it. It was literally just like across across the way, like you could see it clear as day. Um, we noticed these dudes on the roof, like what the fuck are these guys doing up there? And uh, obviously, like we knew it weren't nothing to do with management or anything. And uh, we're doing the fucking show. And then obviously the sounds cut out in the rate in the uh, studio, just you know, we're, we're playing tune stuff, and then all we find is just because you guys were using the boombox as the monitor, weren't you? Coming through, yeah, 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 yeah. Like not 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 no like luxury big boombox either. This must have been like you know, 1999, 20 quid little little kind of clock radio looking boombox, like and uh, <laughs> but um yeah, it was it was kind of surreal seeing that like these dudes fucking about on the roof. Um, I think they might have even taken, I can't remember if they took the aerial down or not, but they've obviously definitely cut the cables. And uh, yeah, that was the end of that show that day. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was kind of surreal, man, just seeing that, just like, because we were watching their every move. And then obviously, you know, the sound's just completely gone. And then it was like, right, okay, well, that's kind of uh, confirmed what we thought they were up to then. Okay, well, time to pack up and go home then. Yeah. See, see you next week. Have you ever been? Um, have you ever been on other, any other stations? Have been taken off live or not? Uh, nah, nah. That's probably my, my probably my only uh, probably my only time. Actually, I kind of I've been kind of fortunate with that. To be fair, um, 
I think uh, I've not, I wasn't on, no, actually, no, 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 no. I was going to say, like, the station weren't actually taken off. Like, we've had, like, links drop out and stuff like that. Um, that was with Don, but I weren't actually even playing a set at the time. But I got fucking sent up to sort the bloody link out, though. Uh, that was interesting. So let's talk Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the Don comeback, because um, Outlaw mentioned it on his episode. For anyone who has heard it, season one, I think it's episode 15 or 16. Go and check out Outlaw. Uh, really, really fun episode, that one. Um, and he's, he said, you know, obviously, like, the Don FM thing happened and people kind of got back together. And that was obviously around the time, you know, that sort of... Supreme was probably around just the in-between time. And then I know you got yeah. back involved with that. It was around 2007. Um, how was that for you? What was the procedure like? And, and you know, how did you get straight involved with, with the revival of the legendary Don FM? Um, so, you know, with that, that literally just came through like a random phone call um, with Outlaw. And um, it was like saying, yeah, we're going to bring Don back. It's going to be like the old Don lot. And a couple of us Flex FM heads who were going to like be involved, and it was a whole like sort of United Pirates of London thing. Um, so obviously, I was like, you know what, like, yeah, I'm on board with that. We used to listen to Don FM back in the day growing up and stuff. A legendary station, you know, in London. Uh, just like, yeah, do you know what, man, I want a piece of that. I'll, I'll jump on board with that definitely. Um, so I think there was like one barbecue or something in like uh, Wimbledon Park or something like that. Like sort of like just everyone down there just linking up and talking about, you know, bringing the thing back and stuff. And uh, yeah, they did it, man. So um, it came back on like 930 um, in Roehampton, obviously like original territory for Dom. And uh, it was like... Um, the studio was in like Nasty B's front room, like it was in there around them times. And um, back then as well, like I was involved with sort of setting up like for a, for a brief period, like doing a bit of the roof work and stuff with like Outlaw and um, putting like rigs up and fucking putting up twin stacks and shit and uh, running around trying to collect the, you know, little sensors on the top of the traffic lights you can use for Lincoln and stuff, like, just running around, like, trying to gather as many of those up as possible. Like. See, people don't know about that either. People don't know that you can go around, like, especially um, especially the temporary traffic lights, like, they're always yeah. easy to rob. Right, I've got a funny story about that, right, actually, just before I touch upon, like, Don and stuff. So just while we were, we were on Don, sort of, like, in the early stages when it was up and running, me, Outlaw, and DJ Merlin, were I think we were out I think we we're getting a rig retuned or picking a rig up and um I remember like we were driving around one like suburban street I don't even know where it was like don't even know where it was but it was like a residential street and Merlin was driving like this Renault Megane at the time and we'd come across these temporary traffic lights and obviously, like, you know, we see the fucking sensors on it and stuff. We were just like, right, we're having those. And we got out of the car. We couldn't fucking get the uh, get the sensors off. So we ended up just, like, taking the whole fucking traffic light. And, like, literally, <laughs> like, we just ended up taking the whole traffic light, yeah, and, like, stuffing it into the back of this fucking Renault Megane. Like, it was ridiculous, man. It was, like, proper 
comical. If you were like in a house, because like, like, as I said, like this happened on like a residential side street. Yeah? Like this not, no, this is just like a, a, a back street. So if you were like in the house looking out the window at that time, like seeing these fucking idiots trying to stuff this traffic light into the back of this hatchback, like it was just really stupidness. And then obviously, eventually we got the traffic light into the back of the car. Drove back to uh, to Nasty V's house, literally dumped the traffic light in his front room and left his house and drove <laughs> home. Like, <laughs> literally, Mate, yeah. That is yeah. some Laurel and Hardy pirate radio bullshit right there. Jesus. Oh, I don't oh, think I've was... heard a story stupider than that on this show. Oh. And, I, and I've listened to a few people. <laughs> it, honestly, I, 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 it's one of the funniest things I think I've ever done involving involving radio. Honestly, it was it was ridiculous. I know Outlaw might, might obviously remember that as well. But uh, yeah, that was just some that was some bullshit. That was some bullshit. Seriously. All that to get the sensors, boy. <laughs> just for the links, Jesus. Well, they, they couldn't, honestly, like, we're trying to get your sensors off for like a little while and they just weren't budging. So we just like, fuck it, we'll just take the traffic light. And uh, yeah, like me and Outlaw literally stuffed this traffic light into the back of this Renault McGann. I don't even know how it fit in there, but we got it to fit in there somehow. And uh, yeah, literally just dumped it in Vernon's front room and uh, drove home. Yeah, see you later. Crazy, absolutely crazy. So yeah, obviously coming out of um yeah original territory in Roehampton, um various blocks you can use around there in that end. Mm. Obviously, obviously the main one everyone knows. Um, certain certain people come off of there full time nowadays, yeah. um legally as well. Funnily enough, um, yeah. but yeah, I know. Like obviously, I I grew up just around the corner from from where Don Tower is actually. So like, I know the area very, very well, um, like the back of my hand. And as yeah. I was sa- I was saying to, to Outlaw off air, just randomly afterwards, I was saying like many years ago, I must've been about 12 or 13. And um, one of my sisters, one of my sister's friends lived in the block uh, just opposite Don Tower. So you've got the smaller ones just next to it. Yeah. And she, she lived in one of them. And uh, we went up one time in there and I'd, somehow I just ended up in the main, in the main block. Um, and for whatever reason, I think I told you this story years ago, like I managed to get onto the roof and I don't know, I, I didn't know anything about radio them times. I listened to it already by that point, like 12, 13. I used to listen to, funnily enough, Upfront in, in the car. My dad always used to have it on. Um, so I used to listen to Pirate. I knew it was, but it never dawned on me that it came from Tower Blocks. I kind of, for whatever reason, thought it was like, legal it's coming from crystal palace or something you know um and i remember being on top of the block and getting chased down by i'm almost certain to this day it was billy Wiz. i'm almost certain to this day <laughs> Big but billy Wiz. <laughs> yeah but i don't know because you've got to bear in mind it's like 99 2000 yeah, yeah. um so obviously like during a peak time for flex but um but yeah no to this day i'm, I'm almost certain it was billy um <laughs> might, might might have possibly been decline but i don't know um yeah. and i don't know how they knew we were up there because we didn't touch anything we were just literally on the roof of the block obviously like you're 12 13 you get on the roof of a tower block and you could see the whole of london from there do you know what i mean it's like they, they, you know what they must have had like a trip switch or something that's that's the only thing i can one think it was yeah yeah it, it must have been one of them ones that's the only thing i can i can think of man but do you know what though as what you were saying though like those blocks like you you can get out on those blocks, man. Those yeah. blocks were legendary for that. Um, yeah, wicked viewpoint because it was kind of like, especially them Southwood's blocks as well. Where obviously they're on top of a hill, yeah. um, you've literally got nothing blocking your way until you get into central London. 
Yeah. Right, so you've just got clear line of sight all the way into central London where you, you start hitting all them skyscrapers and that, like in the, in the city and stuff. So to cover, to cover London from, from those blocks, man, you're, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be putting out some coverage, man. You don't even, even need to like use that much power either. No. Um, yeah. Um, and also yeah. back, back the other way out into Surrey as well. It's funny because it's like what I was saying about if you were to design an estate and a set of blocks in a worse place, you, it would be Cambridge Estate in Kingston. Like if you were going to go to an area and design, a, what's the best place to put an estate for radio? Nah, that's the worst place. But what they done in Southfields was yeah. they just happened to build a shitload of tower blocks on top of a massive hill. And then if they weren't no good, you had Roehampton half a mile down the road. And that's there's it. about, there's about 50 blocks on that. Well, probably even more than that, that, that estate, it, the, the whole of Roehampton's an estate. Um, and yeah. it's like every block there, they're not very big, but they're on top of a fucking massive hill. So whatever you do, you're getting out. Well, do you know what, like, it's, it's yeah, those blocks. So the, the Don, I'll tell you another story in a minute, actually. You know, you asked me about um, the stations I played on before before World FM. I've actually missed one out. So okay. I'll come back to that in a minute because it involves the blocks in Wandsworth, actually. Um, but going back to Don quickly. Um, so the blocks Don were using, yeah, they, those were on those Alton Estate blocks. And um, it was like, you know, on right at the top of Roehampton Hill, you've got like... Um, when you're going into Roehampton off the A3, you've got like the three blocks on the left-hand side, yep. like at the top of the hill. Um, we were using like the, the, the tallest block on uh, on that part of the estate. And like, I remember being up there, like and the view was just ridiculous. Like, like, obviously you could see clear into central London one way. You look the other way, you can see like Trellick Tower, like the fucking gasworks in Southall. And then you kind of look in another direction, literally you can see Heathrow Airport, like the plane sort of landing and taking off and stuff. Like, it was just crazy, crazy. And like, those blocks, as you said, they're not like the tallest blocks, but because they're on top of like a fat hill, like, you, just, you can get out crazy from around there. Man. Um, actually, when it when they moved it onto 1042, um, I was actually, I lived in Camden at the time and I lived quite on top of a hill anyway. So if you go up York Way, um, there's an estate there at the top of Market Road. A lot of people know it because HFM used to come from there. Um, mm. So, and then around the back of there, there's another two blocks. And I basically lived in the, at the bottom of them two blocks in the flats just there. And I could actually pick up Don in Camden, which I know, um, obviously from from being around there and from speaking to, to certain, certain Don man about it, that, that that was where a big problem came with them and the Turks that were in North at the time as well, because it was clearly like you wouldn't think that with so you know on about 150 watts you probably wouldn't be hitting camden and hitting tottenham but no nah, it was like it actually was for Hampton. it was <laughs> yeah do you know what like that that turkish station it's funny you mention that because um you remember like the who's lot forum back in the day of course right? bro of course right so there was one guy on there um got a big up uh big up sharky right so He's hit me up on on the forum, um, saying he's like from from North London, and uh, he goes, uh, "Yeah, I know where these uh, these Turks are coming from. Like, so if you want to go and take them off, I'll drop the location in it." I was just like, "Okay, then, yeah, 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 whatever, like, hundred percent." So he's told me now, and uh, he said they were coming off the block opposite Northumberland Park Station. Yep. And uh, yeah, I think uh, told told out Laura and uh, 
a nasty V, and uh, I think they went up there later that day and dealt with it. Yeah. And, uh, I think for a little bit, I think we were getting our London-wide coverage on 1042 for a bit still. Not, <laughs> not always the smartest idea, fucky, when them Turks from Tottenham, no way, trust me. Yeah, I, think, I think they were in and out very quickly, very quickly. <laughs> but I've got to be like Sharky because the fucking... Uh, the, the location report was bang on. So got to big up for that. It's funny. I was, I was talking about this um, a few times and it, I can't remember if it was extreme or if it was Bizim, uh, which is the name of the Turkish station. Um, they were using that same block and it was funny because they, they, they did a live broadcast on like radio might've been BBC London or radio free or something. You've probably heard the recording of when they raided the radio station and they were expecting to bust in and find a studio. But what they found is an old studio and a couple of cables and stuff like they cleared out of there. They were still rolling in the background there. So you can hear where they've obviously got in there with a radio thinking, oh, yeah, we'll take it off and we'll get like, we'll be able to hear the, do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're still playing. But then they're just like, oh, yeah. I I can't remember if it's called Kenneth Robbins House or something like that. It's got like a bait like name for this block in Northumberland Mm. Park. And I ain't baiting up anyone's location because everyone knows these blocks. Like anyone who knows radio knows this block. Um, So I know like um, they were like, oh yeah, well we know the transmitter's located at such and such a block and we're we're, going to go there and take that off. And I'm like, you dickhead, that'll be back on tomorrow morning. Like you giving it to Charlie Big Potatoes. Like, yeah, we're going to go raid this station live. And it's just like, yeah. DTI ended up with egg on their face massively. I just, I wish I had a copy of the recording because it's just fucking hilarious. But um, like yeah, so Don FM obviously morphed into Flex, but you said you mm. had another, you had another station in between all of that that you missed. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So yeah, so I've totally forgot about this. But just while you're mentioning like the blocks and sort of Southfields, like and Wandsworth area and stuff, I've got to drop this one in. So around sort of 2000 and it was 2005 again, um, obviously before Don and stuff like um, Outlaw and Billy B and uh, Carlos, I think they were, they ran another station called, briefly called Dance UK on 107.6. Yeah. Um, right. So the studio there. Studio used to be in the, um, you know, in Mitcham Town Centre, you've got those uh, flats, like red brick flats. Yeah. Like the, the studio was in there and they were coming off uh, the blocks in Wandsworth. Like, you know, the um, the three blocks near, near the uh, shopping centre. The white ones, like, yeah. Yeah. So they were coming off, <laughs> coming off there. And I remember around them times, like, I think they just, the council just renovated the blocks. And so they just put on like the pointy roof, anti-pirate roofs and stuff like that. Uh, that's literally what they were. They were anti-pirate roofs from yeah. back in the day. That's exactly what they were, right? So the joke was, right, Outlaw being Outlaw, like he's managed to get up there and stick a fucking single stack on it. Yeah. And like, I I swear to God, right, I don't know what sort of power this rig was pushing out here, but this rig was banging out. Like, and obviously where it was, where we were on 107.6, you had that Jackie bullshit on 107.8. Yeah. I mean, from Tolworth, like, we were just fucking with them hard, like, seriously. Now, I think this is why Dance UK wasn't, like, you know, very sort of, uh, didn't have longevity because, like, Jackie were not happy, man. Seriously. Yeah. They were not happy. Like, well, around these times, I lived in Morden, like, and um, even when we moved down to, like, 107.5, like, Jackie was still getting fucked up, like on 107.8. Like the, the, this rig was just like 
it was pushing out and it was, it was only like a little tiny little single dipole just on top of this on top of this anti-pirate roof didn't even have like um it was it didn't have a, have a mask on it or anything mate i swear it was literally just an aerial bolted onto the pointy bit onto on the roof like it was just that but it was hanging out man i think i'm almost certain that someone it might have been on who's lots and it might have actually been dan himself but i'm almost certain he put a picture on there of it and it was like the most like hilariously fucking ridiculous thing because i remember i remember like um certain people from flight i know flight once upon a time in the early days had used them blocks for a brief time i know obviously like flex have probably done it a few others but i remember someone for flight saying to me they were like bruv the reason they put them pointy things on top of there is because like because of the pirates like Wandsworth hates the pirates, yeah. bro. Because the other block there, obviously Sudbury, like that, that's that's been battered to death as well. Because I know, mm. um, obviously, I've been trying to get them on the podcast, but because one of them lives in America, it's a nightmare. But the guys that used to run Team Raids, the brothers Sean and Cole, yeah. um, I know that they were using that for a while when they were doing Rage FM and stuff like that. So yeah. like they they told me stories about them blocks from like the early nineties, and I think um, I think trance were yeah. coming from down there as well. So yeah, Wandsworth's just been absolutely battered for pirate man. So, yeah, for it's real. no surprise about the vendetta. But <laughs> going back to Wandsworth, um, yeah. FM, obviously, you know Dan kind of explained it on his episode. You know, without going into too many details ends up splitting off um, and Flex FM comes back. Now, obviously, you were a big part of the original lineup of Flex FM returning um, and you were there from from day dot up until yeah. up until the legal days. What was the um, what was the journey like for you with regards to, you know, going on full time and obviously, you know, being such a big part of the early days and, and getting Flex reestablished in a sense? Yeah, man. So like... Um... Yeah, the early days of Flex. So, like, um, obviously, after, like you said, Don Don ceased, as it were, and then split off and stuff. And um, in between that, actually, I did another stint on on S Dance again on Supreme. And then um, I think I took this was all this always starts with a random phone call. I think I ever took a phone call from like Outlaw or Milky. It was one of them two, and um, they were like, "Oh, we're bringing Flex back." It's like yeah really just like yeah yeah and the, the studio is like literally around the corner from where you are like it was as well <laughs> yeah literally like this, i found out obviously later on the studio was more or less like behind it was literally right behind jigger's house like you could you could see you could see the, the, the studio from like his loft basically it was just literally like a, not even a one minute walk like so it was just local as hell and um remember going in there studio was like uh it was in so it was another mad location like just it was a residential street um you know just literally just average suburban residential street you know you you'd be in this road you would never think anything like that was going on no Um, you wouldn't you wouldn't have known at all even though like looking back at it it, like if me and you were walking down the street now say we're walking to your yard and we saw two dons with a record bag go into an alleyway and go into a shed would be like, right, that's a pirate studio. But anybody yeah. else who's never been, and that's what I say about being ingrained in the culture, like anyone else who's never been, they would never in a million years have known that's what was in that garden. 
Yeah, 100%. You, yeah, you the average person, would you wouldn't have a clue what was going on. And I think that's probably why that studio lasted. It lasted quite a bit of time, actually. Yeah. It, that studio, yeah, that studio was probably there for like, I'd probably say a couple of years, two years, something like that, yeah, which obviously like, yeah, in, in pirate radio terms, it's quite a long time still because obviously like with pirate radio, you, you tend to move studio quite a bit at times. But that one there, that actually lasted quite a while for it being in such a kind of hot, overlooked location, as it were. But to be fair, like the measures that were sort of in place to make sure people weren't moving hot, um, I think that probably added to like the sort of longevity of that of that location, actually. Um, so like basically the studio was in a garage around the back of, uh, around the back of someone's house. And... Uh, there was like a, a gate, like a sort of like um, a gate with like a um, like a key lock, code lock, you know, you put in the code, uh, the gate will open and then you walk down this little alleyway into the garage and then like you ring a bell. Uh, obviously, like garage was fully soundproofed out. Um, yeah, it's nice actually movie. it's in a couple of documentaries. I think um, yeah, it's in Stay Sailing. It's in another one as well that... Um, that, that Dan and those guys were in and you go like, mate, just, I, I, I went down there a couple of times in the very early, like nine, four, two days when it first come back on, I went down there with Billy Wiz a couple mm. of times and with soul and obviously Mr. E. Um, and yeah, yeah. yeah like just, that fucking mate, even the size of the bolts on the door was just like, <laughs> you would never get it through that door, bro. No never. Way. No way. No, you were, you were not getting through that door. That door was, uh, that door was crazy. That was crazy crazy door man and uh you know this is what i'm saying about the measures that were kind of put in place like they made that location work like uh you know you couldn't hear anything from outside it was a quiet residential back street you couldn't hear any noise from outside like you couldn't hear any music couldn't hear anything even when that street was like quietest in the dead of night you know every the average people are like in bed or whatever um, you couldn't hear anything that was going on inside inside that garage, so it's pretty good with that. Um, the security measures in place with that bloody big ass door, like you know, you are, you're not going to get any unexpected visitors dropping in and then popping into the studio unexpectedly. Like, it just was not going to happen. Uh, but yeah, that's stu- had some good times in that studio, man. Had some good times in that studio. Um, it was mad actually because like. Around them time, so like my first time I played on there was uh was a, it was actually the test transmission on nine four two. Like it was like the first first bloody live DJ to bloody play on there. Um and then obviously from nine four two um moved to nine nine seven and um the sets I was doing. So originally I was doing a Saturday, doing a Saturday afternoon set with Jigger. Um, I think it was like four till six. And then I started doing shows on there um, with Loved One. No, actually, no, tell a lie. I started doing shows on there um, on my own, which I think was Wednesday, Wednesday night, 10 to 12. And then it moved to 8 to 10 and then 6 to 8. So I'm kind of sort of going down down earlier into earlier slots down the timetable as time goes on. And then I started doing a Wednesday 4 to 6 show. Um, connoisseur connection with dj lovewell so we started doing that show for a little bit um 
And then I was doing that show with Love One for quite a few years, actually. Um, probably like sort of 2011 up until maybe 2015, I think. And um, so around 2015, I had to stop doing the radio thing because just work commitments and stuff like I couldn't, couldn't commit to doing the, doing the time slot anymore. So I had to lock it off for six months. Um, and then after six months, I came back on there. But this time I was doing a show on my own. So this must have been probably like 20, would have been either late 2015 or early 2016. And um, I started doing a Wednesday afternoon two till four show. Um, that that was on my own. And usually like I'd have my missus come down and keep my company around them times as well, like in the studio and stuff, man. And uh, that show in particular, I've got to say, that Wednesday two till four show, man, out of all the radio shows that I've done, that show there will always have like a little, little special place. I've had the most fun doing that show. Um, I think it was sort of like probably the first sort of time I took proper ownership of the show where I didn't really, I didn't really like, wouldn't say like, me saying that like I didn't give a fuck, it would be the wrong thing to say. That's that's not true. But it was kind of like, I'm just going to go down to radio, play what the fuck I want to play, fuck everything else. Like, I'm just going to go down there and play the music that I like and tell people about what I'm playing. Like, and if people like it, cool. People don't like it, whatever, I don't care. I'm just going to have some fun in there. Like, and uh, that was like quite a, quite a nice little period man I'd like a nice little um core group of regular listeners like um a lot of people seem to enjoy what I was playing and what I was doing um had some like uh had some like DJ work and stuff come through and stuff um ended up like headlining at like a an event in in Denmark in Copenhagen ended up headlining a, a garage event out there through through doing the, that radio show in particular and uh yeah man it was a good time and um obviously also around them sort of times there we had like uh ej being uno come on um to do the slot after me like four till six on a wednesday so like that whole sort of wednesday afternoon if you were like into house and garage yeah. like that wednesday afternoon me and DJ being, you know, we, we had you covered basically, like seriously, like, and uh, play some fucking nice sets on there, man. some really nice sets. I had some fun times in there, like, yeah, good times, man, good times. So obviously, we we kind of touched on it at the start of the show. Um, you were on another station down in Crawley in them in between times as well, like obviously mm-hmm. during during the flex times, and obviously there's a lot of crossover between this particular station uh, and and the flex lot as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, what was the deal with, um, with a pirate radio in the, uh, in, in the shires of Crawley? <laughs> the shires, yeah, man. <laughs> so like, uh, basically how that came about, that actually come about a little bit earlier. So that first come about in 2007, um, it was through Outlaw and Milky again, just random conversation. They were like, look, we're going down to some station down in Crawley. Like, do you want to just tag along? Like, just pop down there and just uh, play a little something and see what's going on down there. So I was just like, yeah, man, fuck it, let's do it. So we jumped in the car, drove down to Crawley, and um, it was a station called 
Fresh FM, which was on 87.7, which then obviously later went on to become Impact 875. Um, and yeah, that's how it came about. So I did a couple of sets um, on Fresh back in 2007. Um, got on really good terms with uh, with the owner of the station, a guy called Pete Cut Swifty. Uh, sadly, no longer with us these days, but uh, got got big love for Cut Swifty every time. I got to send a big love and salute going out to him, man, every time. Um, and then I stopped doing fresh around 2007. Done like a few little local events in the Crawley area for it as well. And then um, around 2000 and I think it's 2009, I think, um, me and Pete obviously kept in contact, um, had another phone call with him. And then me and Jigger ended up doing like a, a once a month on a Sunday show on, on Impact. So we were coming down to Crawley from London and we were doing a show on Impact on like the sort of last Sunday of the month, like Sunday 8 till 10. And uh, yeah, that's how ended up doing impact and then um was kind of like around those times there i met my missus and um eventually like actually moved out of london to the area and uh yeah i've been obviously down here ever since and then whilst i was in my early days down relocating down here impact was still on so i ended up doing like a regular slot on impact on a sunday um, and like doing like tons of like cover slots and whatnot as well. Like, uh, so uh, yeah, man, that's how that's how impact come about. Um, another another little mad little story I've got to tell you about impact actually. So um, down in the shires down here, as it were, like there's not many many like decent locations to put a rig up. Yeah, like you know, there ain't no tower blocks around here, and the ones that are here are just like you know. They're pointless little things, like they're not like massive 20 story things, like what we get in London. But, like, one of the studio locations um, was in an area of Crawley called Broadfield. Like, and Broadfield is like it's hood, but it's country hood. Like, you know, so it's not hood like, you know. But I told you, they're, they're the areas that scare me more. They're the areas that worry me more. <laughs> well, do you know what? Like, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna lie. Like, you know, you wouldn't want to be walking around Broadfield late at night because you'll probably see some spooky ass shit. But like, one of the, one of the studios was like around there, still like countryhood, like bandit country. And uh, where the studio was, it was like an um, industrial estate. And across the road from it was a Morrison supermarket, you know, like, and there was a phone mask on top of the fucking supermarket. So I've turned up to do my set one day. I've looked up and there's a fucking twin stack on top of a fucking Morrison supermarket. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, the fuck? I had to, I had to like, I had to bring my missus and tell her, like, babe, they put the fucking aerial on top of the Morrison supermarket. Like, <laughs> You're not gonna believe this. Some like raggedy ass, rickety looking twin stack up on this, on top of this fucking like on top of the supermarket. How the fuck they not like? How, where's the where's the manager not like moaning about this shit? Like, but I don't even know how it stayed up there for a while, bro. Seriously, like. And then the funniest thing was as well with this twin stack, there was like a cable, right, which went came off this roof, came off the Morrison's roof. And it went all the way over the road to the other side of the road. 
And on the other side of the road, behind the industrial estate, there are these blocks of flats, yeah? And this cable was coming off this roof and going into one of the windows of the flat. Like, must have just been linking or something from there. It was the most stupidest thing I've ever seen, man. Now, like, the cable and the twin stack weren't there the day before. And now they're both here. Like, and I swear to this day, I swear to this day, I think the cable might still be running running over the fucking road. Like, just stupidness, man. <laughs> right, sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do to stay on, isn't it? <laughs> For real. Well, to, to, get, to be fair... Like I said, that 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 little uh, setup, it stayed up there for a while. I was actually surprised. I thought they were going to take that down like straight away, but it stayed up there for a bit. Credit where it's due for fucking uh, ingenuity, I suppose, man. That is one of the craziest places I've ever heard of rig being shoved is on the roof of a Morrison's, bruv. I've heard some mad ones like uh, Outlaws told me plenty of stories. Even, even the fact that he put one on the... Um, on the mast in the middle of the gas works in Mitchum's hilarious. Like, oh, but, yeah, 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 yeah. But to one, actually, yeah. like, to be coming from top of a supermarket, like, don't get me wrong, like, when you go up to Crystal Palace, like, a lot of the time, the rigs that have always been used in Palace have yeah. been on, on top of the shops, but on massive yeah. high ground. But, like, yeah. a Morris, like, a Morrison's, that's, like, that's mainstream, bro. <laughs> oh, you know what, like, the funniest thing was, right, what you just said about it all being on high ground and stuff, like, it weren't even on high ground. Like this was just this is just like this is just regular. Like you know, there might have been like a little hill, but honestly, it was like when I say a little hill, you probably get like golf bunkers, which are like sort of higher than the hill this this fucking thing was on. Like, but honestly, man, like just to see this raggedy ass twin stack on top of this supermarket, like so you pop in for your pint of milk and you just see like. 30 twin stack on top of this fucking it was just crazy, it was crazy. again it's one of those things that if you don't know what it is no one yeah you probably think it, you probably think it was a part of the mobile phone area right yeah now how many i've actually it's funny um i won't say where it is because the station's on actually i'm gonna try and get the guy to come on but um like we went past a, a well-known block that's been mentioned on this pod, not this episode, but on this podcast itself, loads of times. It's a favourite among West London pirates, and we were going, we were going around a certain area the other day, me and my missus, and I was like, "You see that giant fucking slim jim pole up there? That's like half leaning off the block." And she went, "Yeah," and I was like. That's a pirate radio station. She's like, how do you know? And I was just like, when you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For real, for real. Definitely. Yeah, when you know, you know, man. Sure. Yeah. And I first clocked it because my mum lives close to this block as well. And I remember popping out of my mum's um, last year sometime. And I remember coming out and you could just literally, like, the blocks are just, they're far enough away that you can see the top, but they're close enough that you can see what it is. And yeah. I'm just like, no, I know these blocks quite well. And I know they were battered back in the day. And I know that on that block there's nothing on that block but there is a fucking slim gym and a half like literally you know when it's so big that it's cabled and everything but it's still like it's still doing that because it's just so big <laughs> and yeah. I, I got to talk to the donny who set it up because it's hilarious to see how massive he's put it on there but um but yeah like when you know you know and at certain times like where you go around to certain places and it's just like yeah, anyone who doesn't get it, they're never ever going to clock it. The amount of times you go past yeah. any any regular tower block, they've got phone stuff on there, they've got police stuff, they've got relay things even to just like bounce TV signals across the place and everything else. It's, it's obviously a, a good place to have things. But yeah, so many people have got no idea. Like where my missus lives now, um, 
You come out of a flat. I see it this morning. I see it every day when I stay there. Come out of a flat, look across, and literally there's two tower blocks there. There's one just a little bit further down, but the one on the right is the big blue and white one that Outlaw and them man use for, fl- for, for flex for yeah, yeah. a good three years, a good three years castle main. So, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's just there, bruv. Like, and it's just, yeah, every time I look at it, I'll just always come look outside. And then when you look out the other side of her flat, Surrey Lane, bruv, Dream FM, Flight FM, yeah, yeah. even Flex FM for a time. Like, yeah. very, well, Power Jam even was coming off yeah, there at one point. That's like, it, that's it. Like literally, Surrey Lane, bro, and and also like the, the whole of So Solid grew up there as well. Like it's just the history yeah. that we associate with these different things. Like it's just just like I, I remember the first time I met my missus's flatmate. She was like, "Oh, so she said you're you're from round here," and I was just I was like I just felt like saying, "Yeah, I used to go up on the top of that block outside that window." <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what? That is is mad because all them all them little locations you mentioned there. Like I remember, um, sort of like an early 2000s like you could get a train from like Clapham Junction yeah. to, into Waterloo and you could literally like count the twin stacks on the blocks yeah. like you know all them blocks there you mentioned um like Spoil Court Winstanley Estate Badrick Court like York Road Castle Main Badrick, like Badrick's a bad boy one bro Totteridge House that's a yeah. massive block that that's block is massive yeah. I know um I'm almost I'm almost 99 sure we were on there for a piece in probably around about the same time. Flex was just down the road actually, like mm-hmm. when Flight was back on and and you know doing well on 1017. I know we were up there for a little piece there. So yeah, yeah that gets out, mate. That proper gets out. Yeah, yeah, that block's pretty. That block's pretty hefty, man. And then man. Uh, you've got um like Castle Main, like what you said as well. Like Flex were using that um for a little bit back in the day. Um, Surrey Lane blocks as well. I know I knew Power Jam used to come off them blocks and Dream, obviously, as well. Yeah. There's I a picture, there's a picture of um Sub Zero when he was about 16 on top of Macy House in Surrey Lane, brother, with a little single stat that they put up on there for Dream FM. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know what? There's yeah, you know what? There's another now you just mentioned that. I've seen another old Dream picture as well. They used to, so they used to use the blocks, uh, you know, the two massive ass tower blocks in Wandsworth Road. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Near, the, near the train station. Like, I think I've seen pictures off of, off of those blocks as well. Yeah, there's like, them two. Then two. there's the two that look just like it, that are just up by the river in Battersea as well. They've been battered. And then you've got, yeah. um, and then I know that, you know, them mad blocks that you've got, you've got, you've got like five or six of them that all look the same. There's a couple in Stockwell Park and then there's one a little bit further down the road and there's a couple in Kennet and they've got that mad design to them, like with a little sort of... Yeah, they're like, like, like uh, Lego blocks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know, yeah. I think the ones like Stockwell Park sides, I think Dream used them for a little piece as well. So oh, yeah, I think there's a few, there's a few old pictures floating around of, of Fias and, and Subs and Swiftly and all them, all them old school Dream FM boys. Like you got got mad respect for them them lot man because they paved the way for a lot of southwest london stations between them and don like between them and don everyone kind of came came from there you know so as i say sub-zero like massive part of flight as everyone knows and yeah he was like 15 16 on the blocks doing doing dream bruv so yeah big history but yeah even to this day like we went up um we've been out several times recently and it's just like everywhere i go i'm just like just clocking, just clocking what's got a, what's got a rig on it, what hasn't, what hasn't, what hasn't. It's like, yeah, man, you always notice, isn't it? And he, he, even if even if you don't catch it the first time, like you're still going to check. Like, oh, okay. oh yeah, for sure, for sure, 100%, man. Every time I come on a train into London and stuff, like uh, from where I am now and stuff, like you get into, um, there's like a certain block up near um, Palace 
oh, I can't remember the name of the block. It's only a little one as well, but it's on top of like, um, it's on top of like this massive hill. Um, I swear the block begins with an F, like, or something. Like, it's only like a small block, mm. but it's quite a notorious site. Yep. And um, yeah, like, you know, you can see it from the train and stuff. You see like little stacks on there sometimes as yeah, well. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you just know, you just know what's going on. Yeah, um, there's there's se- there's several stations that are coming off Palace at the minute, so I'm, I'm not going to say too much, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, for real, for real. But um, it's mad though, like, because well, every time I come in on the train to London now, like, I kind of feel like I don't see as much of that going on now. Nah, nah, no way. Back in the day, no, no, no way. way, like, you know, back in the 2000s, like, literally, like I said, you could count, you could count the blocks. You could count how many aerials you'd see on blocks and stuff, and you'd probably like run out of hands, like in between, just in between Clapham Junction and Waterloo. There was yeah. like loads of them. Like, like, it was the same. Like I remember when um when I joined Fat Beats around 07, 08, and I was talking. I remember talking to you at the time. It might have even been like on like MSN or whatever. And I was saying, I remember because we used to like geek out over fucking rigs and stuff. And I'd be like, "Bruv, I've literally I've had to get the bus because there's no trains. I had to get the bus from my yard at the top of that hill in Camden. Bear in mind." On the two blocks opposite me, there were two rigs. I think, I don't know who was using them. I've got a funny idea who it might be. There was, there was a station that was using two or three frequencies at the time. And I think it was there because they had a, a rig on each block. Um, then you go down into Tottenham. You had like the Turks coming off one of the blocks. You had Subjam coming off another one of the blocks. You had Unknown FM coming off down there. Then just yeah. up the just up the road in Hornsey, you had Origin. Then you had yeah. um, you had fucking uh, I think I think Rude Awakening might have still been around them times. Passion yeah. was Passion was definitely up there. True FM was was there for a little piece just down the road. A lot of the time they were over Stratford sides, but I know they moved over for a little bit. Um, yeah, various stations, bruv, like all just along that strip. And then, yeah, as I say, you get into Enfield and there was a couple more and there was more than one Turkish station. Some of them got out well. And then you'd have random ones. Um, I can't even remember the name of right now. That like Obviously, Playback's 105.6 now, but there was something there was something else that was on there before. Um, and then... Yeah, hazard or something. Yeah, something like that. And then you yeah. had, uh, oh, fucking hell, loads and loads of different stations. Touch FM obviously was around that side. Um, all them stations around Tottenham heat as well. I remember when heat were coming off one, one small block in Tottenham, bro, but the area was like fucking 50 foot tall. Like it's bigger than most <laughs> blocks. The block was about 12 stories and it was in Tottenham. So when is that on higher ground? If anything, it's in a dip, but then yeah. the, the area was bigger than the block. I was like, how has he done that? <laughs> wow. Do you know what? It's, it's, it's some of those stations you mentioned there, like unknown, origin touch like mm. i remember that those those ones in particular they used to bang out like i remember around sort of um 2007 time i used to live in Sutton, and um like those stations like all them stations used to bang into Sutton crystal clear like yeah. and obviously they were coming from like those sides what you just said there so well, unknown studio was in the, the right next to Muscle Base Gym in Enfield, which was next to Fat Beats and Sub Jam. Like literally, oh, Fat yeah. Beats, Sub Jam, um, Unknown FM. I think there was a, another station there as well. We're all in this little trading estate in Enfield. Like, but I'm talking like literally a stone's throw from the M25, bruv. So they were bare far away and they were still getting out as well as they were. But that's why you mentioned Radio Jackie, um, that 108 frequency, bruv, unknown. We're just getting absolute grief all the time. Same as when um, when Pulse were on there as well. Like Paul Les was on and he's actually on the previous episode, but 
he was on, uh, you know, in season one and he was saying that they were using the Highgate blocks and they were going up there, like, which is the, it's the most ridiculous location ever. Yeah, and they had, they that. had, they had a rig, they had like a 250 on the, on the, on the, on the 108 on the Highgate blocks. And it's just like Radio yes. Jackie had no, no hope, bro. Oh, no hope at all. <laughs> you know what? It was, it was mad, you know, because like, I swear it weren't like a, before they went to 108, they were on like 90.2, it? So 90.2 was point blank, but Unknown had, at one point, they had 90.6, 89.4 and 108 all on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and it. they had, yeah. I think they had 108 coming from, um, coming from like Hornsey Highgate. They had 894 coming from somewhere else. And I think 90.6 was coming from Enfield somewhere. Like, bruv, it, uh, um, like, come on, man. What'd you have to do that for? <laughs> That's crazy. That is crazy. And you know what? All them dolls got out nice as well. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, 90.6 well, was legendary, bruv. Like, absolutely legendary. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. They got a nice on 894 as well, to be fair. Yep. It's crazy. So um, going back to yourself, though, obviously, um, yeah, you're down in Crawley and stuff, but, you know, your time on Flex FM, were you there for the transition? Obviously, I've, I've spoken to to Max and, and Dan and Henny about this. Were you there for the actual legal transition or had you left by then? No, I was there for that still. Like, I did, did a couple shows on there, but I actually bounced off there because of work commitments again. Like, yeah. I couldn't commit to doing... Doing, I was doing like a Sunday, I was doing Sunday till 10. But then obviously, like, you know, I weren't getting home till like fucking midnight and stuff, man. Yeah. I was just kidding for work and shit. So that's a lot off and stuff. But um, yeah, I was there for the transition for that still, man. Yeah. Um, it's quite mad actually, because like from sort of how I started out DJing and stuff, especially like playing what I play, like, which is sort of more. It's more for sort of like the underground side of um, old school house and garbage. It's not really like anything commercial or sort of like the more sort of well-known stuff you hear on like your average compilation CD. It was more, you know, sort of like uh, early to mid-90s stuff. So playing what I played and ending up actually doing like a fucking slot on a legal station, like I never thought I'd actually end up doing that. It was pretty, pretty surreal, actually. Like, obviously, it wasn't the same as like doing power radio and like, yeah, of course. So all the sort of fun elements you had doing pirate radio were no longer there. Doing illegal, you know. Uh, but in the same breath, like, like I said, doing, doing what. How, how I started out and playing what I played to end up doing the slot on illegal stations, you know, I would never have thought that would happen. So uh, to kind of like have that little notch on the post, as it were, yeah. like, uh, I, I, can, I can take that. I can take that, man, definitely. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good look for sure. And yeah, in, in terms of, you know, I mean, it's a long and, and storied history on, you know, on Pirate, you know, coming roughly two decades for yourself, were there any stations that you never were able to play on that you kind of wished you'd, you'd been able to jump on? Because I can name a few for myself. Yeah, but um... 100%, man, 100%. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot, man. So, like, I would have loved to have played. So around probably, like, sort of late 90s, I probably would have loved, to, looking back now, obviously, um, I probably would love to play the slot on ice, ice FM. 
what a station, man. Wicked station. And for the um, for the songs that you've always played, for the style of music and mixing that you've always had, perfect fit as well. Do you know what, brother? I, I honestly, yeah, I, I would have loved to play the slot on there, like because I used to listen to Ice quite regular um, when I first started, like DJing and stuff. Would have taken a lot of influence through the DJs I had on it at the time around the sort of late 90s so uh yeah ice fm definitely got a lot of love for that um but a lot of played upfront as well like upfront were massive in south london like yeah around the sort of like 98 99 times massive station so looking back like obviously i wasn't a dj back then but you know i am now or you know i became so to speak so if i was that Back then, yeah, I would have definitely been making a beeline for upfront. Um, Freak FM as well, like Freak 101A, Wicked Station, man. Used to always be a battle to pick pick a signal up in mind. Yeah. But once I had it locked in, you had it locked in. So, yeah, man, Freak 101A, big station. Obviously, like around them times, you had like EZ and like DJ Louis. Uh, can't even remember any more names now, but those are the two names I remember from Freak 101A days from back in a sort of like 98, 99 days. Um, you know what? There was a station as well, actually, in South London, Taste FM, Taste 925. Yeah. Like, that was a big station. That's like some decent DJs on there too. Uh, so, yeah, would have done Taste FM, definitely, um, if given a chance. Um, anything else? Uh, no, going off the top of my head, yeah, going off the top of my head, I think, yeah, those ones there. For, for house and garage anyway. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably say those ones there, I'd say. Anything you still listen to nowadays? Because obviously, I know you're a ways out, but all the guys that are still doing Pirate, they've all got an internet stream. Like, no, There's no one imaginable that's going out now yeah. and just setting up specifically on FM unless they're doing it purely for banter or for a good crack one weekend. Like... Um, any anyone you still listen to now, you know, with regards to to the pirates that have got internet streams up? Yeah, do you know what? Like, it's funny because being a house and garage DJ, it's I've always ha- I've had this conversation so many times with like my missus and like a couple of my mates and stuff. Like, I very rarely listen to like house and garage sets at home. Like, very rarely. Like, so I think the only pilot station that I actually listen to occasionally for house and garage, and when I do, it's not for a very long time and that's no slant on anyone playing the sets or their DJs or anything it's just my attention span with like that genre right now um vision vision radio um I've got to give them props because every time I, I, I put them on there's always something pretty decent on their house and garage wise anyway um so I've got to give them props other than that like I said I don't listen to much so a lot of the time um I do listen to pirate radio like I listen to a, a shitload of drum and bass. Like, so it'd be like Cool, Cool London, uh, Rude FM. Um, there's a new station as well, which has just popped up recently called Infrared. Yep. Um, like, I listen to them a lot. They they play that. Infrared, I've got to say, right, they don't have, at the moment, I don't think they've got like a lot of live DJs on there. A lot of the time it's like pre recorded, but. The tune selection, man. Seriously, like it's just on point all the time. Like new stuff, um, like sort of like sort of '93 hardcore jungle, which is kind of like foundational for me. Like they play a lot of that on there as well. So uh, 
yeah, infrared. I listen to them a hell of a lot if I want like a bit of DMB. Um, if I want a bit of reggae, probably Vibes FM. Um, don't really listen to reggae music that often, to be honest with you. Um, but if I do want reggae music, Vibes would probably be my go-to um, for, for, for that genre there. Um, anything else? I do you know. What? I don't actually think. I think that's probably the only pirate stations I listen to now. One of the ones I do listen to on a regular though used to be a pirate station. You mentioned it earlier on in the pod. Um, HFM. Yeah. Like, they're obviously like a web station now. But um, when Itch were on the dial back in the 2000s, like mid 2000s, like I used to listen to them a lot. Um, I think out of all out of all the pirate stations that I've come across or that I've heard, even like playing the genres that I'm into, like dance music wise and stuff, HFM is like probably my favourite all-time pirate station. Just because like at the time in the, in the 2000s and stuff, like I've never heard of a station before they're on or after they've sort of been and gone that has done what, what they did in regards to staying true to themselves and representing a genre which is like really underrepresented like on the radio especially like in the uk as well yeah and to do to do it like how they did it like in regards to like for instance you'd hear a lot of stations now like playing r&b or whatever i know they didn't play r&b they play like underground hip-hop but you don't really get djs mixing you just get people like playing tunes and chatting shit over the top and then like playing the next tune from the top or whatever. Like there's no like the art of mixing is kind of non-existent. Yeah. Like Itch FM, like you had people like on there like mixing, like you know, turntablism, scratching, like, and they were playing like they weren't playing no commercial hip hop. They were like playing some underground fucking raw fucking shit. Uh love that station, man. So, do you know they've got a, a little bit of a connection with uh, that infrared as well because infrared are currently on 105.15. Yeah. That's what it used to do back in the day. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. And do you know what's funny, right? Because um, you mentioned that, yeah. So, like, I first found out about HFM, like, I used to go record shopping, as you could probably relate to yourself, like, around Soho area, like, you know, the usual uptown black market, um, like, reckless records. Um, around Soho area. So every time we used to go into Soho, like I would see um, HFM stickers everywhere. Like HFM 105.15, everywhere. Every fucking lamppost, every building had a fucking HFM sticker on it. So I'm thinking to myself, like, what the fuck is this HFM thing? Like, fuck's this? So I've gone home, like, just just tuned into it and then just heard what they were doing and I was just, like, blown away. And, uh, yeah, still listen to HFM to this day, even though they're not a pirate, but obviously they've got a pirate foundations and stuff yeah yeah um, but nah mate other than that um the ones i've just mentioned like before like there's for quite a lot of ex-pirates that have popped up i know um see there's some that i know i've got on dab but then when i've read on a couple forums recently there's like some of them have been heard online like, like on the airwaves so it's oh. like yeah, do you know what? Uh, one of the ones yeah. you're mentioning, yeah, I actually listen to them as well. Yeah, I'm not going to say which one, obviously, just to, <laughs> I don't want to hot them up, but we know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, then I also heard that, um, I can't remember if it was Weekend Rush or Defection, but one of them one of them sprung up the other day as well. 
like the, the original. Yeah, I think um, I can't remember if it was online only or if, if someone had like just put it out over the weekend or someone had heard it over the weekend coming off of something. But yeah, so yeah. I think there's. I think there's a, a, a few certain little crews out there that are just like for old times sake, I know cool have, have done a couple little bits recently and kind of jumped on and off. And um, yeah, it's, it's nice to hear. It's nice to see, you know, it's uh, it's good that people are still keeping it alive. And obviously it gave, it gave such a good time and a massive part of our lives to us, you know? So, and yeah, it's, 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 it's good to sit and have the conversations about it, mate. Um, in terms of nowadays, any, any DJing at all, or is it kind of just completely on the head for you? Or is it, or is it a never say never situation? Uh, do you know what, Jay? Like at the moment, I'd probably say, like, like I said to you the other day when when we was uh, doing a voice note thing and stuff. Like, um, I'm chilling on the hammock, as it were, with that, mate. Seriously, like, obviously, uh, um, you know, if it come about again, that um, you know, do a little guest slot or you know, certain 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 man decided to put a little something together and stuff then yeah maybe um jump back on it for old time's sake but to be honest mate like i said like um i go to work and i come home and i chill out and do me man so like with radio where i've played on so many fucking stations over the years and like i kind of feel fulfilled with what i wanted to get out of it because I got a lot more out of it than I would have ever thought possible. So mm. I kind of feel fulfilled with it and feel like I've done what I wanted to do with it and more so. So um, I'm not really like, I, I ain't really hungry to go back on radio mate, or do any DJing or whatnot, to be honest with you. I kind of sort of feel like I've been there and done it. Yeah. Um, but a certain man then who I've got love for, wanted to put a little sign together and, you know, add a little random phone call again. Do you want to jump on this little thing here, what we're doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on then. Yeah. Why not, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Um, it's funny because I say it all the time, like I'm, I'm done with the game and stuff. And but there's, you know, there is a couple of events that I know certain men have invited me to go and play on. It just, just literally out of not being able to make it work on them particular dates. Um, that I haven't been on there and that they know that and I know that and it will probably happen at some point this year. But then, you know, even with the radio thing, I could never do a regular show again. And I've had this conversation with Marva off mm. a few times because like she don't really get the game and that. Do you know what I mean? She listens to some of my stuff when I do my, my disco mixes and stuff. She enjoys them. But other than that, she ain't really into to, to the house and garage and that. But um but yeah, we have this conversation about me doing regular radio because I, I go and cover for Mr. E sometimes on this playback show or every now and again, I might go up there and be a guest on there. But I, I went on there a couple of nights ago, actually on Tuesday, and I did a guest show on there um, just covering for Eamon. And, uh, and yeah, she's always said to me, like, oh, you know, what, wouldn't you do it full time kind of thing? And I'm like, nah, and the reason is, is because when I had my, my flight show, when I was like, you know, really, really booming out every Saturday night. And I had loads of like interaction with people that I was getting loads of bookings left, right and center. Um, I was putting in so much effort of every week I had fresh tunes. Like I might play five or six tunes from the week before. Other than that, everything else is brand new. Whatever's new that week in house, whatever promos I'm getting, I'm sitting and listening to, I was getting 750 tunes a week, bruv, like, and just having to sit and listen to all of them and decide what to play, what not to play. And I was playing some really, really good stuff in the house scene before it was ever big and just trying to keep myself that fresh, that up to date and that, that entertaining, you know, and to do that takes a lot of time 
takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of energy. And when you're working, I work usually Monday to Saturday, bro. And I do the podcast and I've got a missus, do you know what I mean? And, you know, yeah. for, up until recently I was studying and I'm probably going to go back into education again at some point this year. It's just like, well, like it just <laughs> to be able to sit and do that is one thing like going and covering Eamon and taking two USBs full of UK funky and doing a little UK funky set like for a good vibe. But yeah, to be able to commit to a weekly show now, nah. and it's mad because I know, um, certain legal stations uh crying out for disco and house presenters at the minute um yeah. and i've had so many people tag me on their facebook statuses being like oh jay be perfect for this perfect for this and the sad thing is is it's on a, a legendary south london station that was on a legendary south london frequency for a long time that i've always wanted to play on and yeah, yeah i just i haven't got it in me to commit you know especially to something as serious as a legal daytime radio show but yeah so i, I feel you um but there's always that little bit of me that just keeps like oh what, what uh, you want me to go cover your show playback yeah, yeah, no, yeah no problem bro no problem yeah calm, yeah, calm. yeah yeah <laughs> you know everything you said there man i can i can totally relate to mate like you know like you you know i work monday to saturday um you know got a missus and stuff down here like you know your spare time is valuable isn't it and like, yeah especially well i don't live in london anymore so a lot of that time i've now got to spend if i was going to commit to something regular again I'd probably have to spend a lot of that time doing a commute into and out of London again. That takes a hell of a lot of time to like, it's just, it's just a bit long. Man. People don't realize that with radio, even like it's just when I was doing S dance, it was in Brixton and I'm in Pimlico. So in them, in that sense, it was like, go down there. Like I'd leave, leave my yard and my show would be at 10 o'clock. I used to work until maybe seven, eight o'clock some nights. I'd get home, quick bit of food, grab my tune straight out the door. And it took me 15, 20 minutes door to door to get there. But then I was I was getting home at half 12, but then it's like, mm, it's okay and it's quick, but the next day is a bit of a slog. And then what happens is like, it builds up. And at one point I was doing Tuesdays on S Dance and then Saturday nights around the corner, on represent on the legal station wow. <laughs> which, is, which is hilarious and you can actually see Estan's studio from represents window which is fucking funny wow. um but like when you're doing that and then you're working all day saturday and then you're going and doing seven till nine saturday night on on a legal like where you've got to be on point as well like you can't yeah. you know with presentation like i've always been a good like radio presenter and a good host and hopefully a good podcast host but it's like yeah, yeah. you know ha- being able to do that and program a show and have interviews and set times where you can you know actually be professional because i mean represents it ain't radio one but it's a legit station bro do you know what i mean and and it's got a, a good 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 solid reputation so you always have to be on your game and yeah mate when i was having those weeks by the time it come around to sunday bro i didn't want to do anything with my life because it was just consumed by a pirate radio legal radio and then a day job as well so it's a hard graph mate it's hard it, it kind of reaches like you, you you try and do your best to sort of like keep things going in a sense and sort of uh balance things out as it were but it kind of reaches a tipping point doesn't it when mm. you've kind of just had your fill with it and you just think to yourself like you know what, man like kind of had enough of this now man. i need to just spend a bit of time like and appreciate the spare time that i do have and just do a bit of me now like without this radio thing taking up a lot of it like yeah that i totally understand brother I totally understand 
But mate, it's been really, really good to reminisce and go over some stories. And I'm sure when we listen back to this, you're probably going to go, oh no, and I forgot about this story. So <laughs> make a note of it and we'll sit down and do it again and, and maybe get Dan or someone else to jump on as well and we'll, and we'll bounce, some, bounce some stories off each other. But yeah. mate, thank you so much for, for sharing. It's been it's been really fun. And um, yeah, it's made me, made me remember a lot of things that I'd actually forgotten myself, to be honest. So yeah, it's been yeah. great. Hey, likewise, man. I got to, once again, Jay, big you up for uh, throwing me on, man. Much, much love. Really appreciate it, man. It's been good to tell these tales, man. Definitely, these t- these kind of tales sort of uh, are like dormant. So um, when you try and tell these to someone kind of outside of radio, they don't really fully understand the full perspective of it. But yep. when you sit down and talk to someone else that has kind of been there, done that, you know, been around it all. Yeah, we can fully appreciate the madness and the bullshit and like the crazy ass people involved in this shit. So uh, yeah. yeah, man, this has been this has been jokes today, man. Really enjoyed it, man. Oh, thank you very much for coming on. Any socials you want to give out, or are you just happy to stay in the background? Ah man, I'm just in the background, mate. I don't even do <laughs> so- <laughs> I don't even do social media these days, man. I'm just I'm just here in the background, man. If uh if people want to reach me, you know, put it this way. If you haven't got my phone number, then uh you're not really valuable to my time. Holler at me, the over the hill podcast at gmail.com. If you want to select a prime time, I give you good rates, nice commission. It's all good. I hear that. You hear that. One day, definitely. <laughs> Mate, thank you very much. Season two, episode nine of the over the hill podcast. Yeah. Get in touch. The over the hill podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget, share, subscribe, all of that good stuff. Make sure you're following on Spotify. You can leave ratings on Spotify now. I've just found out as well. So make sure you leave me a couple of five stars on there. Um, Every, every review on iTunes, AKA Apple has been five stars so far. So thank you for that. Keep them coming. And, um, yeah, check out the other episodes on episode number eight. We just had a um, mixed martial arts review of 2001, sorry, 2021. And uh, I look forward to 2022. I've done a year in review um, and also done a really great episode of a guy called Kieran Lithgow on episode seven, who's a virologist from AstraZeneca. And we had a really great conversation about medical developments, vaccine developments, all that kind of stuff. So if you want to... Uh, if you want to go on there and argue with yourselves in the comments about vaccines, then then feel free. Um, but you might learn something if you listen to the episode, because that was really good as well. But um, I know um, I want one thing. I know, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. I was going to ask you just before yeah. we finish, because um, on episode six, I done with, uh, with BQ, we did uh, predictions for 2022. And uh, I know you wanted to talk boxing, but I'm not super qualified to talk it. And I don't like to waffle oh unless I know, but I wanted to get your opinion on something before we end. And Ooh. one of the questions and predictions that we had for 2022 was, will we see a heavyweight title unification this year? And if we do, who is fighting who? Because obviously we're looking at the possibility of Dylan White versus Tyson and Usyk versus Joshua is looking like the path that's going to go. I mean, that's the most likely thing makes the most sense. But obviously we know with boxing, that's not really what sells. Um, what's your prediction for the, for, we'll, do, we'll just stick to the heavyweight division, but the heavyweight division in 2022, how does the year, how does the year pan out? Well, do you know what, mate? I've got a whole, I've got a bit of a different take on it, actually. Um, obviously, like you just said, we're supposed to be getting Dean White, Tyson Fury, and we're supposed to be getting Joshua Usyk. But I don't think potentially those fights are going to happen. Um, I don't think Dillian White Fury is going to happen. 
this whole 80 20 offer like I hate this whole amateur businessman kind of thing, just get in the ring and fucking fight. But that offer, you know, if you're going to make an offer in good faith and stuff, yeah, if you really want the fight, I think you come a little bit better than that, knowing full well that no one's going to accept a fucking 20% offer, really, like, potential. Well, I say really. If you were hungry enough to accept it, you would take it. But clearly... uh, I don't really think Dylan White's kind of on that. He seems to he seems to uh, have a sort of high value of himself in that regards. I think he's obviously clearly looking for a bit more in the percentage stakes and stuff. And this isn't the first title shot he's turned down because of uh, he's not been happy with the money that he's going to get for it. So with him, clearly, it's money over glory, isn't it? Um, and it feels like history's repeating itself with that. So I don't think we're going to get Fury White. Um, I think what's going to happen is that two things, one of two things. I think Fury's either going to hold out, he's going to duck Fury, he's going to duck White, he's going to hold out to get the winner of Joshua Usyk, and then try and jump in with the winner of that, but he um, undisputed. If that doesn't happen. Um, I potentially don't think we're going to get Joshua Usyk either. There's, I say potentially, there's a chance we may not get it. Um, number one, because of potential, potentially Joshua's training situation. Like, you know, still to this day, we still don't know who officially is going to be training him. But it's Usyk fight, which is supposed to be happening in March. But then another telling thing about that is we got no date announced for that fight yet. And, you know, we're, what, two-thirds of the way through January now? So, surely, if we're going to have a fight by the end of March at the latest, and, you know, you went out bad in your in your first fight, you need to be training from, like, before now, surely. And you haven't even got your training team set up yet. And there's no date locked in for this fight either. So... That's kind of red flagging me in regards to, well, is this fight actually going to happen? And does Joshua really want to take the Usyk fight again? Um, you know, if he loses to Us- if he loses to Usyk again, you know, I think him at the level that he's at, I think it's kind of curtains in that department. Um, so potentially he. There's talk now about, um, I think Eddie Hearn's come out today in, in an interview or yesterday in an interview talking about he's reignited the whole step aside uh, scenario again, which we all thought was done and dusted. But then he's kind of resurrected that. Um, so maybe it might be a thing. They haven't announced a date because they're holding out for some step aside money for uh, from Fury's team. Um, so basically... Tyson Fury's going to jump in with Usyk, do Joshua's dirty work, and then Joshua is can then later on go in with the winner of Usyk Fury, which you know probably will be Fury, um, and then the whole Fury Joshua thing gets reignited for undisputed again, which we were supposed to get last year, but I didn't because of the whole Deontay Wilder arbitration thing. So, so who uh, wins? Who wins that? Who walks away with it all at the end? Oh well, 
I'll tell you one thing. It's not going to be, clearly it's not going to be Dillian White. Um, I don't think it's going to be Joshua. Um, with Joshua, I think, I don't think his mindset's been right since the Ruiz loss. Like, any kind of sort of form of aggression and sort of um, that sort of wrecking machine aspect that he once had, it's all gone. Like, you know, in the Ruiz uh, rematch, he basically just ran around the ring, like, and didn't really do too much. But obviously, Ruiz was, like, really fat and unfit and couldn't negate, couldn't, 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 um, couldn't do anything, basically. So Joshua got away with just running around, throwing an occasional jab and managed to sort of outpoint him and get his belts back, obviously. But um, in the Pulev fight, he had ample opportunity to take Pulev out. Like what? I think it was like around three, four, maybe five or something. Didn't do it. Stepped off the gas. You know, Pulev's fucking old man. Like, you know, taking him out. Like, it took him 10 rounds to do that. The fuck you doing? Fucking about. Just take the guy out. Um, so, yeah. Any 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 kind of aggression he's got, I, I, I don't think. I think Joshua's gone, man. Like seriously, I don't. I think he's done at this yeah. sort of level now. So I'm thinking now, it's going to be between Fury and Usyk. If those two get in the ring, I just think Fury's going to be too big for Usyk. I think he's just going to be too big. Um, Usyk, when it comes to the skills he's got, like, you know, it's next level matrix business. Um, but I think with the Tyson Fury we've got today, in regards to him really sitting down on his punches, letting that right hand go, you know, going from the sort of slick mover boxer type guy that he once was into this sort of now, he will just come in and just, just, just wreck you basically. Mm. Um, just with his size and power that he's got um, I think it'll be too much for Usyk I don't think Usyk's going to be able to handle him I think Fury will put his weight on him tire him out and uh, potentially take him out lay, lay into it and I think Fury do everything that Joshua should have done basically that's it <laughs> we'll do everything that Joshua should have done and uh, I think Fury you know from coming back where he was um, you know with a drug ban and whatnot. Um, the Stephanie Sophia and Pianetta fights, just bum fights. And then jump in the queue into the world title fight with Deontay Wilder, which, to be honest, it wasn't really a jump in the queue. It was more of a cherry pick gone wrong from Deontay Wilder's part. Yeah. Um, and obviously, he stayed at that level ever since. And obviously, he's now got the WBC strap, the Ring Magazine strap. He is the number one heavyweight right now. There's no arguments about it. Um Fury's going to take all the glory. And I think Fury could potentially be undisputed champion by the end of this year. It's funny because uh, on the podcast, I pretty much predicted exactly what you just did. We've literally, with just the caveat of, I don't know whether um, Joshua or Usyk is going to be the one to fight Fury for the goal, but I see him walking away by the end of this year. BQ reckons it probably won't be till next year, but either way, I can't see. I don't, there, there's no one better than Fury at heavyweight. He's up there. Um, and I did say, you know, if Dylan's to fight him, Dylan's no mug. Do you know what I mean? Let's let's give all due credit and respect to Dylan White, but it, it, it just, you know, 
these people just ain't on Fury's level. But um, yeah, it's good to know as someone who's a seasoned boxing fan such as yourself. And I actually got the same prediction as you. So thank you very much for that. And thank you very much for coming on, mate. No worries, man. Been an absolute pleasure. Last one, Jay. Once again, season two, episode nine, my special guest selector, primetime, legend in a part radio game. Peace out, everyone. Peace out.